to call this thing. Ah, I got it. Okay. Incredible, new, fantastic, astonishing, mighty, original, uncanny, sensational podcast. I'm just going to put down infamous. Hello and welcome to Infamous, the audio podcast. This is Brandon or Mutilus on the forum. This is Parker. Go by Tweak on forums. This is Jeremy. I still refuse to. The internet isn't real. I thought you were on OnlyFans, though. I canceled that. I was my only. Oh, did you? I, I, I was my only fan on OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm not gonna pay three ninety nine to sub you. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, let's talk uh, announcements. Uh, Parker. Your probation continues. Yeah. Moving on, we have the news. News, 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 news. So we have the Scarlet Witch panel to play, which immediately became less interesting because of our other news, because we got to watch a stream with Scarlet Witch on it. But we'll discuss the panel to play a little bit and kind of lump it together with what we understand based on the podcast. Real quick, show of hands, who's watched the battle report? Zero. Hands. Okay, cool. No, a lot of people don't listen, narrate the hands showing. They're in the car. We kind of got away with them thinking we had watched it. Oh, yeah. Uh, none I, none I of us was, have watched it. Yeah. We're totally going to watch it though. Yeah. Um. So Scarlet Witch is uh, based upon her um, panel to play. We know that she is a mystic attacker. She's got a lot of uh, special condition stuff that she can do. Her basic is a strength six, six attack that. Um, uh, for each failure in the attack, for, for every skull, her target suffers from uh, one of the special conditions on her list. And we know from the uh, the stream that they are hex, bleed, incinerate, or poison. So that's a really yeah. interesting attack that benefits from skulls instead of specials. Uh, so first, very happy impression. Counter to Modoc. You can't change my skulls to anything else. Yep. Oh, range four, by the way. We found out in the report. It's range yeah. four. It's a it's a four six mystic. Yeah. As a builder, which is quite good. Mm-hmm. Just if they had only printed that, she's better than Maw. If that's the only thing that was printed on her entire card, better than Maw. Poor Maw. Mm-hmm. Uh, related to her attack, her ability chosen of Cathan, um, innate superpower, her allows her to add failures to her rolls when attacking, defending, or dodging. Um, which makes me wonder, the, I'm guessing that'll probably happen after she gets to trigger the Hex, Bleeder, Incinerate, so the Skull will trigger one of those, mm. then she can turn it to a success? No. Probably not. No, it's going to calculate successes and then resolve effects. Mm. So she'll yeah, lose. So... Okay, interesting. Wait, what? What are you talking about? So Skulls um, inflict the Hex, Bleed, Incinerate, or Poison. But yeah. she has another innate superpower that allows her to, um, uh, to basically turn skulls no. as successes. Right? Counts as she counts skulls. She counts right. them. She doesn't change oh, the die. It oh, stays a skull. I it just, see. Okay. Yeah, it, it just counts as one. No. Just okay. like the people that get blanks. That you don't change the blanks to a block. They just count as successes. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay. I, I misread that. Um, it's not his fault, kids. He can't read good. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go to that institute. Um, 
we know that uh, she's going to have an ability that prevents enemies from removing uh, certain special conditions when they're proximity to her, a la the card uh, for Crystal. Probably something similar to that. I thought um, it was just Crystal all the time. Yeah, kind of. Um, Is it? We. I just want to check real quick. In... Doesn't she do that all the time? Crystal. Oh wait, I thought Crystal. No, no Crystal. Sa- I'm sorry, not Crystal's card. You're right. Crystal's uh, passive because yeah. her card lets her uh, let anybody do special effects within a bubble of her. That's right. Wow, this is the slowest load ever. Okay. Yeah. Her um, card. Her card says if yeah, somebody takes damage. Yeah, within three, not may not shake specific effect. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll likely be something uh, like Crystal. I was thinking like her card, but her card just gives extra special effects out when anybody <laughs> takes damage near her. Um. It also they also said the ability to soar above the battlefield, which I really hope is just flight <laughs> and not like I, a... I love that they put in more detailed description of having flight yeah. than that she's gonna have crystals rule. Like yeah. there's like has crystals rule also the ability to soar above the, the clouds battle. like a feathery eagle of majesticness. <laughs> yeah. and you're like, what? Does that okay. just mean fly? So uh, flight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah flight. Yeah. Um, I hope when they spoil the next wall crawler, it's like the ability to cling to a wall like an insect or some other kind of creature <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that can walk on walls, all caps. Yeah. Like, so, so wall crawler. <laughs> uh, one thing from the, uh, uh, from the stream we also gleaned is that she can throw, it looks to up to size four terrain. Um, they couldn't really tell because the stream didn't really specify the size, but uh, she can throw okay, terrain so- as well. Just for everyone at home, there is uh, basically a summary someone typed up of all of the stuff going around. And my favorite thing is I misread uh, the original post, and I thought the sentence was, she can make up to size 4 terrain. And I was like, what? <laughs> she just like, creates terrain? And I was like, holy shit. Now we're talking. That yeah. seems really good. I was like, she's just gonna be like creating size four terrain, and Magneto would be throwing it. I'm like, this model is broken. <laughs> yeah, that seems good and stuff. Well, she has like reality warping magic. I was mm-hmm. like, I guess that happens anyway. So yeah, that's that's uh, what we know about Scarlet Witch so far. Very excited. Can you afford to put her into Brotherhood though with Magneto, or is he, why is could, she too expensive? Why could you not? I'm just saying she's a, a five point and a six point. Does that? Uh, I don't play characters yeah. above four points. Uh, I'm fine. I, I, I mean, I play, I play Thor Ghost Rider, and Hulk. but you play Thor and Hulk. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can play like Hulk and Doctor Strange. You can play. There's a bunch of high it, expensive combos. Like it, obviously Black yeah. Order works. It depends uh, on the win condition you're going for. Yeah. You can't just jam them in there and be like, I'm so, kind of going to do some things. Right. Like, perfect example, my Cabal list is literally fundamentally based around having a 6 and a 5 in the same list. And so, and it works fine. Uh, I will say that I think it's a lot easier when it sounds like the two expensive models are going to easily be worth their points. That's going to make it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Because, obviously, Magneto is worth 6. There's no question about that. Then having her, and she looks like she's going to be worth 5. So, that, that, I think it'll be pretty easy. And then in the stream as well, they they basically spoiled that uh, Pietro is going to be three points. And mm-hmm. so the three of them together will be 14, which is not ridiculous, but it's not cheap either. So uh, on the note of Pietro, can we move on to Pietro, what we found out about him? Do it. Uh, Pietro has a move long. Makes sense. Uh, he can spend two power to move uh, long also. He rerolls two defense dice against any physical or energy attacks. 
Um, he could also uh, do like a, a, a trickster type move that um, that Loki does whenever he's targeted. He can bounce away if he has power. Uh, to make mm-hmm. him hard to pin down. And he has uh, a, a super strong strike builder attack that has extra effects based on die rolls. Not sure what that means, but he's got like wild wild effects and yeah, stuff. We're not sure what it is. Yeah, because they didn't show the card, and so he's they're just trying to glean it from what happened when they were rolling dice. Mm-hmm. So he looks like exactly what we what we hoped for. Move long, spend power to do more stuff by moving. I really like that he's got a, a dodgy thing like Loki. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that he basically has spider senses because he's just moving so fast. Mm-hmm. I, I like these three points. I I think three points is my favorite points in this game the, no the models always yeah the models for for a three-point model they always do something fun and they're not yeah. like broken usually it's just something cool for three points yeah there's almost always a way to squeeze a random three-point model into your list but like when you're starting to put in like random four-point models it feels like they your list kind of needs to be based around what they do so it feels like a big tax to just like slam ronin in a random list mm-hmm. where it's like throwing valkyrie or punisher in a random list is like encouraged so and it's weird that it's just arbitrarily one more point and so it shouldn't be that big of a deal but it it just feels that much worse because you're getting to the point where it's like well four point model could legitimately be two different models and so you're actually making a hard choice where it's like well three point model you know you could choose a different three point model but you're still locked in at one guy i just find the more interesting models are all three pointers really they just always yeah. are very, very interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. Alrighty. So, yeah, very excited about uh, Quicksilver as well. Uh, and then we all we learned from about Mr. Sinister is that he is four points. Mm-hmm. I actually got surprised me. He seems like a really stout four-pointer. But I think he'll be yeah. similar to Hela in that way. He just, he's got mm-hmm. some cool effects and not He cool. gets DNA. Yeah, he likes DNA. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We were all expecting him to be five points based off of the panel to play, and so the fact that he's only going to be four has me both excited and scared. Ugh, yeah, there's so many four-pointers that are not great, and there's some that are great. So he could land either way, you know? There's the ones that where they tried to make them do everything, and those models like have failed, and then there's the four-pointers who are like, that guy's nuts, like Black Panther and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. I also like the I, I like the idea that right, at least right now he's kind of factionless, but if they made him really really strong, you want him on your faction, like you'll you'll put him in there. Um, I like that idea. That they, they just they I make think, him a little stronger and make him. I think he's gonna be in Brotherhood. You think so? I would put money on he's gonna be in Brotherhood. Mm. Do you want to make another Hydra wager? You already owe me from last time. <sighs> Four pizza rolls. No, at it's this, uh, one one dick kick. At this point, I'm pretty sure he's going to be in Avengers. Um, <laughs> at the rate because... they're going, Sinister will definitely be in Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a Force. Just do a shaved head bet. I will shaved not do head that. bet. I will not do that. Uh, somebody tried to get me to do a shaved head bet in college, and I left the room. I was like, "That's it." <laughs> and they're like, "You don't want to be our friends anymore." I go, "Nope." <laughs> how, about, <laughs> how about just just beard shave? You have to shave your face. Uh, Clean shave. Also, no. Nope. <laughs> shave all of your body hair. Uh, including your eyebrows. Uh, yeah, that sounds fine. I was going to say, at a certain point, I feel like people would go like, something must be wrong, so I guess we'll... <laughs> I guess we'll... He must have... We'll pity him. Everyone instead. will be nice to me for like three weeks if I just shave everything. Because yeah. they'll think I have cancer. Yeah, clearly I survived chemo. 
which is yeah. a really weird bid for attention. I don't think I should participate <laughs> in. <laughs> oh my god. I just I just pulled up the affiliation list one more time just to make myself mad, just to get my fire, <laughs> just to get the fire in my blood up. He just keeps looking between uh, where the H should be. He's like, why is there no hydrofection? <laughs> I mean, Parker, technically we don't know yet. And as soon as like we open the sin box, it could have a hydro affiliation card in it. No, technically, no, we true. don't know. I actually, but, but we know. <laughs> one of the things that I'm uh, the, here's something they could do, and I would hate this. Maybe, ooh, what if they give this game eventually like the War Machine, like uh, uh, Theme Force, Theme Force, I'm out treatment. Just saying, just saying that word makes me so force. scary. On this podcast means you're in double probation. <laughs> double, do, do, double, double do probation. <laughs> Brandon, can you mute, because can you permanently mute people? I mean, are, do you have I like can, some sort of? I can yeah. ban him from the channel, so we yeah, can't hear that's him. True. Are you guys? Okay. Are you guys? Are you? Is this like? Is it like me saying Voldemort? I just can't say the word want, because I want, give it power. I'll show you where he touched me. <laughs> I don't. No, because what we learn from Voldemort's name is he's actually like a giant piece of shit. Yeah, he couldn't even take over a high school, like right. let alone be good at anything. Right, like the dude literally lost to like three teens. Like, get out of here. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would be absolutely terrified if that happened. But uh, I really hope. I think it could be cool if they added like keywords to models, and then so they're not technically affiliations, but it said like, what if they just start coming out and they added like. The Hydra keyword to Red Skull, Sin, Crossbones, Zemo, people like that. Uh And then there was a Tactus card that said, uh, Hydra models get X. So you you could play Cabal and have an affiliation bonus, but there's like a Hydra-only tactic card. There you go. I could be okay with that. But at the point we are in the game, they'd have to retcon a bunch of stuff. And so we're, we're past that point. Actually. So we're at like, that would be like Mark II stuff. I actually really like, I really like that idea. What they could do, um, is they could just say... They could just print a card and just have like the the, you know, the restriction. Yeah, the restriction. They yeah. just put the names on it, and then well, it sounds like that's basically what they're doing with the Ash and Cinder card because it's like right. Sin or Crossbones. Right. So that that's actually there. You go. So maybe I'll get my Hydra card one day. That would make me happy. That's all I would need. I could totally see them making a Hail Hydra card where it's like you know yeah. the following ten characters can do this. And it could be cool because it could basically be like the Hydra Tactics thing where it's like move within range one of where you're at currently or something. Right. And there's like, it could be like Avengers Assemble for all Hydra characters. Like that could be cool. Or you could do like uh, cut off one head, two more tickets place kind of thing. You could do something like that. Like there's the, Yeah, there's that could be cool. Things. Like if you have Sin and Red Skull and one was your leader and the other one dies, play it, the other one becomes your leader and you gain their affiliation bonus. Yeah, something like that. That could be really cool. Yeah. Dude, we're we're just we're just firing golden bullets today. Yeah, right? yeah. There you go. <laughs> These are good stuff. Magani, listen up. Yeah, I know you're listening. There you go. So if Someone anybody in Magani. one of those creative meetings has uttered the word, th- uh, uh, what are the theme forces? Then kill them. Then, yeah, ki- yes. Even if the, their sentence was, we should not do theme forces. Still kill them because uh-huh. too much. <laughs> you should probably exercise their soul from the room as well. Go 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 the full ten miles. You know. Hang garlic on the door or something like that. Keep that juju out of there. We'll put them in the wall. None of that. None of that. We'll shrink them down. Put them in the wall. Yeah, put them in the wall. <laughs> yeah, put them in the wall. None of that. None of that. But I do. A Hydra card sounds cool. I do like that idea. Give me, give me a reason to see eighty cabal members in the same faction, and seven of them I, are Hydra faction. 
Parker, you got to come up with stakes for our bet by the end of the episode. Think about it. I liked your idea of a shot. The shot sounded fine. Do a shot for the bet? That's not a bet. That's like a drinking game. Yeah. There has to be something at stake here. Oh. What is the? What, why do I want to put something at stake? One of us gets to drink one shot at a time we weren't currently planning on taking a shot. Like, no. That's not a bet. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> like, that's... I thought we took a shot if we were wrong, and I thought that was the I, point. I bet you one bottled water that... <laughs> wrong with you okay one i can't potato uh, this, boat uh i was so i'm not <laughs> gonna lie i'm not gonna lie i am so upset about my about the avengers and cabal uh list being so long that i, I totally forgot what we were originally arguing about uh or what we were uh, theorizing uh, about. sinister being in oh sinister being uh in brotherhood because yeah. you said you think he's gonna be unaffiliated and i know he's gonna be in brotherhood so i want one of us to be proven wrong he'll be brotherhood sorry really you think I think uh, Parker just think since you clearly disagree just think of the stakes throughout the episode and right before we wrap I'm going to make you tell me the stakes and but, the bets on but the stakes the stakes like would be if I wanted to win something from you because because I was right about this I don't want to win anything uh, <laughs> I just it'll be one more it will be one more thing that I will have a big question mark above my head like why is Deadpool in the Avengers I'll just like why is why is Sinister? It's just, you just wanted him to You're be. so, you are so bad at betting, I don't even understand. I don't bet at all, ever, by the way. I do not participate. No, but we're gonna bet. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. It, it stresses <laughs> me out. It stresses me out. You found it. It's a trigger about for this? me. I don't like I it. I got, I got it. I got it. If, if I'm wrong, I will paint your Mr. Sinister for you. And if I'm right, you have to get the rest of my terrain painted. No, God no. no, God no! Oh Jesus! Damn it! <laughs> no, God no. I don't think he realized how much train I had. Oh, I, I think I understood because I, I gave you all of mine. A lot of it's already a lot of it's already painted. All that stuff's already painted. Uh, you're trying to sweeten this deal. I'm here to tell you, I am not that guy. I I I understand that there are those people that love to make bets and side bets, and like as soon as they see something that has a probability of them winning or losing, they immediately want to bet somebody on it. I've seen that in the movies. I know that's a real person. You're the worst. I, I am the opposite of that. I, if You're... if doing that is the best, then I am the worst. I'll take it. Fine. <laughs> okay, look. Let me – everyone just calm down. It's fine. Parker will just shave his head. Let's move on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and if you won't shave your head, we'll both hold you down and have your, have your head shaved. Oh, Jesus. It'll but be if fine. we have to hold you down, we're taking the eyebrows too. <laughs> <laughs> so you better them. think this through and we're just, and just let them. us shave your, You're your normal You're going to have the vanilla hair. ice slashes. Yeah. It'll be so awesome. That's all we'll leave. There'll just be the yep. little lines left. Everything else will be gone. <laughs> that was the news. <laughs> that was right. so much news. We're moving. We're moving on. Uh, so I have one quick from the forums that uh, some people may not know about. Uh, it has been clarified before, but it's on the. Uh, it's actually on the forum now. Uh, although this might be the second time it's been up there. Uh, the. Um, worthy mission with the hammers, the cursed hammers, where while you hold them, you have to pay one more to play tactics cards, has been clarified that the additional one that you have to spend to play the cards does not count towards the total power spent to play the card. For example, if you're holding two worthy, excuse me, two worthy hammers, and you play patch up on an ally for two, you have to spend four power and they heal two damage. Even though Patchup says for the amount of power spent to play this card, the extra power spent for the Worthy Hammers is not used to spend to play the card. It is used to pay the tax on the Worthy Hammers. 
So, for example, all according to plan, where you if you spend 10 power on criminal characters to take the priority, you have to spend one above 10 per hammer on characters that paid. So if you had five criminals and three of them had hammers, you could spend two on everybody and then an additional one on those three characters. You could then play according to plan and it would cost you 13 power. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is kind of counterintuitive because it says if 10 power was spent this way or on this card, you can do it. So it, it is kind of counterintuitive, but just just so you guys know, that's how it works. Mm. That sounds it's counterintuitive to the to the writing, but it is logical with like the spirit of the, the hammer rule, right? Yeah, like that because that it should cost you extra. Yeah, right. You shouldn't be able to be like, hey, look at the wording of this card. Let's me cheat around the worthy hammer. Watch me cheat. And you're like, that seems cheating. Yeah. Sounds right. I think step one is remember you have a hammer and remember that part of having yeah. the hammer. Step yeah. One. Don't forget. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. play patch up. You have one. You have two powers. Like, yeah, that's why I'm playing patch up. It's like you have a hammer. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> like, just scream. Yeah. Man, I would really like to to use field dressing right here, but I have three hammers, so I'm not going to play field dressing. <laughs> Instead, my friend is going to die. You know what's funny is the fact that you can never, like, you would think you would be able to have a way to put a hammer down, but you can't. <laughs> do you want do the math. The hammer down? Do the math on Ultron holding three hammers. It's like, goodbye, Ultron. Yeah. yeah. You're going to die. <laughs> Oh, he's so like, that's the solution. That's want, all you have to but do. But like, he's like staring at the hammers, like I can't let go. <laughs> they won't leave my hands. All right, Parker. Uh, so everyone at home, we are going to keep chipping away at the tactics cards. Uh, Parker, why don't you start us up? All right. Next tactics card is acute senses. Acute senses. It says. Uh, unaffiliated, active. During a character's activation, it may spend one power. Enemies do not benefit from stealth. Uh, and this character ignores line of sight when attacking this activation. Meh. I am not impressed. I can't even imagine this card making someone's eight unless they don't own a lot of the, the cards. Yeah, it's so blah, right? Like, Well, so there's cards like, doesn't Mark for Death just do this but way better? Correct. And, this and it's only just... for the... Side note. It's only for the one activation, so if you were to do, like, Cosmic Invigoration or all you've got, it doesn't work for both activations. It's just the one. Also, it has to be stealth from a superpower. Mm -hmm. Like, there's other stealth, right? Like, does the criminal one actually give no, you stealth? Oh, no, it doesn't. Is The criminal, this does not get through uh, Shadow Organization. Yeah. It mm -hmm. also doesn't get through Storm's ability. Uh, but if a card says you benefit from stealth... This is the same stealth. It gives you the stealth superpower because stealth is a superpower. Now we might call Shadow Organization stealth, but it doesn't say mm -hmm. gain stealth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not an all fix for stuff. It is not. But those cards are designed to be that way. Like mm -hmm. Storm is not supposed to be seen through things that ignore stealth. I don't like the fact that they're printing things that are already immune to the counter. I think that's a really you know dead end writing position, but that's what they've done. So. I'm very uninspired by this card. I think I feels like a cute since this is one of those cards that if the whole if if this game had more if all tactics cards were at a, like a lower level or if you're playing some sort of restricted format, then a cute senses mm -hmm. might make it in because it's a it's a meta no. choice. No, but even then, it's Mark for Death is in the same cycle though. They're right. both in the Spider-Man right. legacy. It's it's completely garbage. 
you would never play this card over Mark for Death. And Mark for Death doesn't even get played. Mark for Death is three or four times the card this card is. I'm giving it a two. Well, the one thing is, it, Mark for Death does have like a stimulation, right? You need two power, one on each character. They have to be within range five. Um, and you're only yeah, choosing but... one character. It does, it, it gives it, it, it it does. But with this card, specifically the character making the attack has to spend the power. With Mark for Death, that doesn't. It could be other right. people. That's true. Also, think about the benefit of the card. A character not within three of somebody, but within five can attack them and ignore stealth mm-hmm. by spending a power and attack this card. When would that ever be worth it? You'd be right. better off playing a tactics card that let you move because it would have uses outside of this exact situation. I think the only way I, reason I could think this being worth it is if you had a bunch of range attacks that were really long range and had like control effects. So you could reach through a building or somebody and pull somebody think, away. Yeah, the line of but, sight is definitely more important, but it's so easy to destroy terrain in this game. I, I just doesn't seem to have right. value. Yeah. I can't remember a time ever in a game I was like, well, acute senses would have fixed this problem. Like, it just never happens. Yeah. You, you probably have put yourself in a bad position if this is helping you, and I can't imagine that this is actually a good card. Jeremy, I gave it a two. It's a two. Yeah, it's a two. All right. The twos have it. Uh, next up. Advanced R&D. This, I feel like we're going to have contention on this one. Advanced R&D. Yeah, this is going to be all over the place. Yeah. We're going to have to use an average. Yeah. Advanced R&D. Uh, unaffiliated, active. This character may spend up to five power to play this card. Choose a number of other allied characters equal to the power spent. Each chosen character gains a power. Jeremy, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, Man, this is a super, super powerful card. It allows you to do something that... Um, basically nothing else aside from inhumans allow you to do which is move power on turn one um, for making special moves whether it's go up pick something up and then look at an objective things like that um, it, it's super powerful I mean this is one of the better cards in the game tactics cards okay uh, this is the worst card in the game I Wrong. think anyone who plays this card is bad mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. should quit Cool, cool, But cool, cool. In, in all seriousness, uh, I'm not a fan of this card. Uh, I respect that it has a lot of potential, and I know that the only reason people play it is for, like, really cheesy turn one plays where it's like, I need to get a power onto this guy so he can play this other card or use this other ability on turn one. Uh, stuff like, um, well, I need Angela to have three power so she can move up Hired Muscle and do this ability or something like that. Like, there's a lot of situations where it... It adds value. I just don't like that it's a gimmick. That's what I don't like about this card. Is it? It's specifically exploiting very specific situations, and it's just like I don't know. That's just boring to me. When it's like when you're when your game is on a script, it just like what's the point? Like I don't know. I respect that it has a lot of value. I just I personally dislike it a lot. I don't like that this is considered valuable in the game. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those that interesting. It is kind of a solitaire type card, right? It's very non-interactive. You're probably never going to find the value in it because later, you know, on turn three, you really need to move some power around to, to deal with your opponent's yeah. choices. Like that's not how it's played. It's a very it's extremely proactive card. So mm-hmm. if you have a proactive plan for it, it has insane value. Like like 
Jer- like Jeremy said, it, it might be the only way to get the value that you need. Um, and, but I, I don't. I guess that makes it like one of the best cards in the game because it has. If if you have a use for it, I will say one more thing though: is this is a very, this is a very meh card uh, unless you have uh, a level of play like under your belt that you know oh, yeah. this is what you need exactly. So you've played 40 games and you've played the same models 40 times and you realize, not 40 times, you've played the same models five times and you realize like, oh man, if I had one more power then I could make this exact thing work in exactly this way every time and my opponent could never stop me. So I'm going to do exactly this combination of models with this card. This is the enabler, right? It's the key card that makes a shtick work. And now that I have played enough games to beat all my friends locally, uh, I'm going to make sure it happens every time with this card. And that's and, and I'll make sure our advanced R and D is the, is the enabler for this. Um, yeah, it, it's a meta combo because it there's a lot of times powers are priced at a certain point to prevent them from happening at certain points in the game, and so obviously this card breaks that restriction in a lot of situations. So that's where all of its value comes from. Yeah, but, but I don't think the the intent of this card was for that to happen. I think it was like to have a support character like Shuri hand out power to your team and do something if they're like not getting to help yeah this might have been a better card to be suited with like the word wakanda on it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. would have changed it entirely i mean there's no way that when designing this card they were like you know what would be great is if hulk had three cubes on turn one that would be great that makes a lot of sense um but because the ability to enable turn one moves uh you can do that uh it allows creativity, sure, but it does create like bad playing experiences. I feel because it does do some gotcha moments where you're kind of like, "Oh shit!" Right. That's that's why I'm saying it's a meta combo. Like uh-huh. it's designed to specifically beat a select group of people or players, and a lo- I think a lot of those players are people that don't know that this is possible. Like mm-hmm. it's like when we were doing Gamma Launch Thor, and it was just like, "Well, you didn't know this was a possible thing, so you're going to lose your first three games." Then you'll learn how to play against it, and you'll deploy or, or play in a way that prevents it from being catastrophic, and then it won't be a big deal. And so this is basically like buying wins by by doing some cheesy combo. And so it's like, well, once they figure it out, it's either going to be completely busted because nothing beats it, or you'll eventually figure it out. Yeah, I, I think that they just keep making models that... I mean, uh, Enchantress is one now that it's really great for... Um, there's several things that you can't do a lot about uh, that it does enable. Um, I don't know. I, the problem is, and again, it's such a great card, but I hardly ever take it, even though it's a great card. Like, it's just not, I'm not interested in that. I think we're also seeing a lot more flexible affiliation bonuses and characters that, like, for example, the um, Inhumans affiliation basically negates the usefulness of this card. Mm-hmm. Um, Avengers, for the most part, does the same thing. Um, so there's just, I think it's going to be, le- and, and then obviously Asgardians just have more power, so it's not as big of a deal for them. Um, so yeah, I, I think the usefulness of this card is going to actually go down over time. We also might see a similar version of it that is less all-in turn one combo. Um then the stock will go down if they end up uh, restricting or banning um, Hired Muscle, which it's kind of, I, I would guess, uh, my bet would be on it's going to get restricted or banned or whatever. Hey, I would be surprised if Hired Muscle wasn't restricted, honestly. 
Uh, it's just too strong of a basically zero cost card. Like mm -hmm. one power is not a legitimate value for that card. That card should have Criminal Syndicate. I mean, we talked about it. That that should have CS on it for sure. That would yeah, make if sense. It was cr criminal only, or if it costs two, it would be fine. Yeah. Because then you're not talking about it happening. And if you're blowing two tactics cards to get a objective, then it's like, all right, whatever. It's like I'll just I'll just win the race at that point. So ratings, advanced R and D. Four. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I think it's a four. Yeah. And uh, part of that is probably my, honestly, part of that is probably my mind state of I play the same, like, three or four people over uh -huh. and over and over again. And I cannot imagine being afraid of one of them playing advanced R&D. <laughs> but if I saw one of you guys playing advanced R&D versus a new player, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably not okay. <laughs> because <laughs> it's about it's about reps. If you're playing yeah. the same people over yeah. and over again, this card is not scary because you you've seen the trick. Yeah. But if you go to a tournament and everyone's playing advanced R&D hired muscle web warriors and Wakandans, you have no chance. But once you figure out what they're doing, mm -hmm. then you, you're just going to start playing the same game and it won't be a big deal anymore. But the same thing with Cosmic Invigoration. If they're playing MODOK Cosmic Invigoration, you're going to lose all your games too, so it doesn't matter. Like it, it's, just, it's just a combo and they just need to learn how to play against it. Like we thought Hulk was good for like six months. And then we were like, oh wait, this guy's fucking trash because sure. we just didn't know how to play against him. I, I, I'm going to rate it at an 8. I think Advanced R&D is... It, it creates it creates a, a spot where you win the game. I mean, that's really what you're trying to do. So, I'd say an 8. Parker. I was He's actually going to say a 6. And uh, the reason why I was going to say 6 is because uh, the, it already exists in various forms and possibilities now in factions. It's not the only way to get this effect. I would have given it an 8, but it's not the only way to get an effect, and I think that's the value of it, is it allows you to get the effect in a list that's not one of the ones that enables it anyway, um, if you have to have it. so Yeah, I think the point is comboing it with other abilities. Yeah, so I think it's I, I think it's a 6, because it could it could be an 8 if this was the only way to do it in the game, but since not, I think it's a, I think it's a 6. Alright, so 6 it is. Way overrated. Should be a 4. <laughs> You having fun eating your fucking ice over there? I am. I'm going to start coughing. I'm trying. Parker, what's next? Let's go. All you got. It is an unaffiliated reactive card. When a character with a threat level of six or less would gain an activated token at the end of its activation, it may spend four power. They do not gain the activated token. Your turn does not end, and you must activate that character again. At the end of this character's act uh, second activation, if they are healthy, they are dazed. If they are injured, they are KO'd. Uh, so... Now, this is a card that I think is going to hold value for a while. Um, this is basically what I consider what like good advanced R&D is. Um, this obviously breaks the rules of the game in a very effective way. Uh, and just for anyone who doesn't know, because I know that some people haven't looked into it, uh, threat level is increased by the cost of your gems, and so Thanos with stones cannot play this. Um, same thing with like uh, Doctor Strange with the Time Stone can't use this. Um, there's so many weird combos with this that you can do. What's your favorite one? Uh, because I, you played this against me a lot, uh, Jeremy. Uh, when when you play this, what are you aiming for? Like, what's your combo that you like? Um, I put this in my list because I know that Magneto exists. I know that Thanos exists. I know that any of those high point models, I'm going to remove you from the board with this card. I have a model, and I'm going to use it, and I'm going to attack you four to six times. 
in a row and take you off. This is the way you destroy mm. She-Hulk. Um, there's or Hulk if he comes. I mean, like the, this card right here will take any of those cards off the board. So it's kind of a get out of jail free card for me. I don't usually look at it for much more than that. Um, yeah, it, it's a cool emergency red button that you push sometimes, and other times it's like, okay, I've got a huge expensive model. I'm getting ready to get out of here because they can't be here anymore. I.e., She-Hulk. That's why I use it. That's interesting. I actually, uh, when I looked at this, the, my first thought went to, I want this to, like, I want to have a usual plan of which, you know, which character I'm planning on using all you've got. A character's going to get a lot of uh, value out of it. But you're thinking the opposite. You're, you're looking at your opponent and saying, all you've got is going to answer this problem because it's going to allow me to get on that key moment when th- I have the advantage with whatever, you know, tricks I'm pulling, all you've got is going to give me plenty to go over the top on mm-hmm. their their big guy. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, both of those strategies are completely valid with this card, which is why I think it's pretty good. Now, it's obviously not without its, you know, restrictions and costs. Like, obviously, dazing or KOing your character has its own problems. Uh, it does not deal damage to your character, though. It just applies the daze token to them. So if you can manage to field dressing them later, they don't take any damage which is pretty cool. Um, four power sounds like a lot, but usually you're attacking, so it's really not. You just end up using your builder attack an extra time instead of using a spender. Uh, my favorite combo is doing uh, Punisher with Doom Prophecy and this card, so you just get like an insane number of attacks with a bunch of dice. But yeah, it's because we, we all know like this is it's less about what you do and more about when you do it in this game you have characters and it's about activating the right character at the right time using the right abilities this is giving you a double activation exactly when you want it which is really really powerful like if you're gonna get dazed if you're gonna get, like killed anyway like why not do extra to them like if you've got somebody on life support, like imagine wolverine injured wolverine with one health left right he's swinging nine dice strikes and you play all you've got like and he can do Berserker Barrage to place deeper, and he can do his charge. Like, this guy could kill, like, three or four people in one activation. And if he's going to die anyway, like, what's the problem? I think I think there's a lot of value in, in this card. Yeah, you but can... You, you, Go ahead. You don't have to have, like, a specific character to play it on, but I think you, you need some characters that are aggressive. Like, you obviously wouldn't play this in, like, a Web Warriors list, I don't think. But, you know, you could. Yeah, you can get more value out of it on the... If you're already planning on combos like you like you mentioned, like no matter the cost, like you're gonna take damage on a character like Drax, so that you purposely get to do big attacks, and then your next attack is gonna have extra dice because you're Drax or Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really good way to get even more value out of that because you're for sure then after your damage because you've diminished your health pool and made it easier to be KO'd. Well, just go ahead. I'm gonna KO my character for you, so I'm sure to get an extra activation with all my advantages that I had. So that's yeah. that, that's the kind of combos I think of whenever I'm playing this card. If if I'm playing this card, I'm usually playing something like um, another tactics card, like no matter the cost, or I'm playing a very specific character that's going to get a lot out of multiple activations, um, and and that that's what I usually think of when I'm doing this. I I although Jeremy's I plan of uh, I, I know for a fact that I've always got one you know at least one hopefully two or three kind of uh, offensive type characters in my list and usually the stars only align for them on that one turn right where they've already they've already done some damage to me I've got like three or four power and I've got one chance to really open up on their big guy but it's not going to be enough like I'm not going to win the game right there 
but maybe this card lets me win the game right there. That's an interesting way to think about it. A uh, funny thing I was doing with my troll defenders list. Uh, so I had this in there when I was playing Hulk in defenders. So it's basically um, Dr. Strange, the time stone Hulk Wong and like one other character like Valkyrie. Uh, so you basically just use Wong as a superpower battery. And so he just meditates as much as he can in the back lines. Turn two, you throw down the um, portal. Hulk goes through it and just punches twice and then plays all you've got. Punches two more times, ends his activation, gets dazed. Full health Hulk dazed. And then you have Wong later in the turn after most of their people have gone. Double move, go through the portal also play field dressing, remove the day's token from Hulk. And so he's still full health, but they couldn't attack him for like the entire round. And so you basically just have a force field around Hulk as long as they can't get to Wong to stop it from happening. But Wong is mm. two moves and a teleport away. And so he's actually very convoluted to go get to. Yeah, that'd be that, pretty annoying. Also, that's yeah. a weird logic to follow. You're like, you watch the Hulk double move yeah, in your like, back Well, line. you're an idiot. Yeah. You're like, yep. Yeah. I guess this didn't work out. And then later in the turn, he comes back to life. And you're like, yeah. oh, the problem is you have Hulk in your list. So you <laughs> need that to work to, to make up for the massive deficit you have. Yeah. I, I do like the idea that you got the, the portal. So the, your opponent would have to put it together. Like, okay, he's got field dressing, so he could do this. What has he got mm -hmm. to do? Oh, he's got Wong. So if I spend my next two turns trying to kill yeah. Wong, I might Unless stop this. Unless they have a character that's very fast, because Hulk's base is obviously enormous, and so he places range one from the portal, and then has range two attacks from a large base, and so they would have to then move range two plus a large to get within range of the portal, and then place through it, and then just get one attack on Wong would be the best they can do. So they probably need a long mover to even have a shot at attacking Wong, and then, you know, Doctor Strange can defend him with extra defensive dice. So he's rolling like six defensive dice, even though he's Wong. So he's probably not going to die and then still get through the portal anyway. Just a quick math in my head. That's that list, that module with uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist is only 19 points. That's not like a tariff. Yeah. That's not a. Yeah. The answer is you just don't play Hulk because you just do right. Valkyrie instead. Yeah. And it's better. <laughs> yeah. Like she actually does more damage because Hulk true. doesn't do anything. That's true. Yeah, or you could just do it with She-Hulk. Like it would still work because you still have plenty of defenders. That would actually be pretty good because She-Hulk actually generates a lot of power, so she could actually do some good attacks. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, so let's do some numbers. We this is a, a weird card, so it's worth talking about. But uh, I give this, I don't know. I want to say a seven, but I'm leaning more towards a six. It is not always the best choice, but uh, I don't think it's good enough to get on the restricted list. Unless a combo comes out that's just silly. Which is, this is pretty much why we think uh, Dune Prophecy is on the restricted list. This and Field Dressing, basically. So, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go with the 6. But I think it's probably more like a 7. I'm going to say a 7. Uh, I can feel pretty comfortable. I would lean more towards an 8, but... It feels I, really I, strong, but it, it feels like you got to put a lot into making this card work. And... But you really don't. Because, like, Jeremy's example of, you know those turns when you leave Magneto on 2... What would you give to be able to finish him off? And the answer is literally anything, right? Mm -hmm. Because the what he's going to do to make up for you leaving him alive is going to be so much worse than not playing this card. And so it's always a good choice. When it's a good choice, it is the best choice. And then when it's not, you just don't play it and you have it there in case. So the best example for, for this is Valkyrie plus that equals all models in the game are dead. Like, almost guaranteed. 
And that's yeah, a three-point model taking out basically any number. She can take out Thanos pretty easily. Like, mm. it doesn't matter. It's so much dice. It creates builders. It creates Killmonger spenders. as well. Sure. Because Killmonger is getting the extra um, the extra damage more times. He's yes. getting all kinds of good stuff. Now, the problem... So, the reason it's not a, a 9 or a 10 is because aggression and just simply killing a model doesn't win the game. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it can help you. Maybe. But... I mean, it does get you closer to a win condition. If your opponent has no models, you win. Absolutely. And if they're missing that big key piece, i.e. She-Hulk... Yeah. Again, She-Hulk is the answer for me. Like, I don't want to see She-Hulk, and if I do see her, I will take that card and I will kill her. Like, that's my whole goal. Like, I don't want to see her. Well, also, like, think of how many times you've gotten to Modoc. You're like, I know I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to leave him, like, half alive. Uh-huh. Like, what if you could just kill him? Just kill him. And then what happens when Modoc's not a lot around? It's like, well, all of a sudden this got a lot easier. Yeah. So I put a, he's a solid, he's a solid seven for me. Let's go solid okay. seven. All right. So we're averaging seven then. Parker? Uh, I actually uh, was going to say an eight. And the reason why I say an eight is I actually was thinking it was a six until Jeremy pointed out the fact that it it's not just something you play with a combo character. I was thinking it was kind of staple to characters like Drax and Wolverine. And so if you're not playing Drax or Wolverine, the value goes down real low. But because, uh, you know, thinking about my experience in game of being able to, I need a grenade right now, but this character can't mm-hmm. become a grenade right now. Well, that character, this turns it into a grenade. It's, it's going to blow up, but it's also going to yeah. take your thing, and it's important. I, I think it's an eight. Also, just do the math. Like, how easy would it be to put, like, Punisher or Black Widow in a list with uh, Lockjaw, which is, we're talking about six-point investment, and you just international bloodhound somebody and then play all you've got on Punisher, and you're like, how does eight attacks with four dice that you have one less defense die for sound? And you're like, sounds like I'm going to die. You're like, cool, mm-hmm. let's just do that. But if you die on the first four, I don't need to play it. And you're like, right. oh. But and I can also guarantee play it because I get four power from attacking you four times, mm-hmm. and so I don't even have to worry about generating enough power to use it. It just happens. Yeah, it's very very strong. Uh, so do we round up to an eight? Uh, uh, I'll shift previous... to an eight. Do an eight. Okay. I, I, All right. I'll saw, go eight. Yeah. I I wanted to go seven. I was honestly worried that you guys were going to go like five. <laughs> oh lord, no! That's one of my uh, so favorite next cards. Up, the pro- yeah, this card is so good. It's just, it's so all-in. I, I partially love it because it is so all-in, but then a lot of people hate it for that reason. Uh, next up is Battlelust. It's a reactive card. At the end of a move action made during an allied character's activation, the moving character may spend power equal to the s- its size to play this card. The next mm-hmm. attack made by the moving character, this activation adds dice to the attack equal to its size. If the attack deals damage, after the attack is resolved, push the target character away short so i'm just confirming that adamantium skeleton does not interact with this rule uh push no it does not okay so wolverine still size two for playing it uh uh, the biggest thing for this is it works if you do a charge mechanics like if zemo spends two to do his charge he can play it as part of that charge move Mm. because it is still a move action during his turn um which is pretty cool it's kind of cool that you have a push on a stick. Like, it it adds dice, but it also adds a push, mm-hmm. which a, just a straight-up push is always good. Like This is probably the best unrestricted add dice card in the game. Now, that's not saying a lot, because a lot of them really bad. 
But mm-hmm. I think this this is easily the best of them that isn't like specifically to one character. Like Usurp the Throne is better and Uneasy Allies is better, but those two all require specific characters. Yeah, getting able to manipulate the board on command. It's not May, is it is is pushed? Yes. It is it is pushed. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can't choose not to. Um yeah, still pretty good. It uh, is based on size, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I do like I, I like that you it's you, at first, you were like, oh, man, so you might want to use smaller characters to make sure you get extra dice. You're like, yeah, but you use a you know a larger character, and then you're hitting a really – you're throwing a, a lot of dice at somebody. That's, you mm-hmm. know, a size three. Adding three dice for your three power is probably just fine, especially when you're also turning it into a push. I think three mm-hmm. dice for three power, I don't think it's efficient enough, but turning it into a push is a great is a great extra bit. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of who really abuses it. People like Valkyrie are probably the best because you don't have to decide if you want to throw them. You can just spend the two to get two extra dice and push them automatically. So it's good for characters like Valkyrie who are probably going to spend the two power to move them away anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like it with criminals. I mean, they don't have a great amount of characters that actually move you, right? Like, Yeah, that's true. And they don't have a lot Kingpin's a three, so he can put it on his big attack if he wants to. Like That's I, I kind of like it on criminals. Um, the big problem, well, not a big problem for criminals. The only problem I see for criminals, they don't have a lot of action economy, but mm-hmm. that's kind of built into their kit. They're meant to walk at you and punch you instead of like charge in mm-hmm. or place in. So, but since you're doing it anyway, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I do like that it, it for somebody like criminals that do that do a lot of walk and move in. The push is a really big deal because okay, I need to walk and hit you once. Well, if I walk and hit you once, it does nothing to the turn. But if I walk, hit you once, throw in a couple extra dice, um, and get a chance to you know really pop off on the dice, or I just push you off, and that's it. That's all I need to do is walk and hit you once. Um, I'm just going to yeah. point out that this doesn't, like... I think we're thinking about it like a melee card, and it's not. Like, Modok could play this, and Modok could roll a 10-die Mystic attack against that's you. That's true. <laughs> just be like, rerolls. boom. <laughs> You're like, boom, like, burp, like, just giant laser me. Because, like, later in the game, Modok actually ends up moving a decent amount because nobody's going to stand in front of him. And mm-hmm. so he's like, all right, I'll walk up and blast that guy. It's like, well, I've got 10 power, so how about I spend four and then I can roll 10 dice and have six power left for rerolls. Just, like, laser beam somebody to do Yeah, this would, be, this would be great on a character like Hawkeye, too. Like, he's mm-hmm. always got power just hanging around. He just yeah. turns he turns his he um, uh, attack never push. moves though he's never going to move wait uh, doesn't a place count as a move no it it's does a move action it specifically says move action oh, move action okay. that is not how that works yeah yeah or else Hulk would actually like it somewhat not mm-hmm. really because four four power for four dice for him isn't great mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'm trying to think of a good way for aggressive to trigger on characters like She Hulk and Sabretooth, but it really just doesn't. I think Wolverine, Valkyrie, Modok, characters like that that have either very easy ready access to lots of power, or uh, I guess Thor wouldn't be terrible. He's only size two, but he could basically spend five to do an eight dice staggering attack that can throw. That's pretty good. And it would give him something to use his power on later in the game. Maybe I need to play this because honestly I'm looking at it with uh, Loki as well. Loki gets a shit ton of power and he's constantly walking around. Because he needs to stay in range of people. So if Loki just walked up, did I am a god, and rolled like seven dice punch attacks that get blanks. Mm-hmm. And he gets the, he ends up, because he was going to spend two to move you away anyway. Why not just push you as part of the attack? Right. 
Maybe. I mean, it it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see that in my list. Like, I wouldn't be looking at it going, damn it, there's nothing I could do. I, yeah. There's probably another card I'd rather have, but, yeah, this yeah. one doesn't hurt my feelings. It's okay. Yeah. I, I think All it's... Right. I, I think I, it's the definition of a number I'm thinking of right now. I want to hear what your yeah, number is. Yeah, it's a five. Yeah. Five. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Fives have it. Yep. It's, the, it's a great definition of that. Okay. Next card, yeah. Blind Obsession. Uh, this is one of my favorites. Reactive yeah. card. At the start of the activation phase, any character may spend three power to play this card. Uh, here we go. Uh, the character <laughs> that played this card here we go. obsession Buckle token. <laughs> uh, choose an enemy character. While the character that played this card has that token, it adds two dice to its attack rolls when targeting the chosen character. When the character with the obsession token rolls defense dice, if the chosen character is the one attacking, add two dice to its defense roll. If it is not the chosen character attacking, remove two dice from the defense roll. The character that played this card loses the obsession token when that chosen character is KO'd. So with with a horrible paragraph, basically, you get a token on you, you are now obsessed. You pick one other character, that is the obsession that you have. Um, you always mm. add two to an attack and two in defense uh, when you're uh, uh, trading with that um, ob- uh, your obsession. However, all the other characters you're not obsessed with now, when they attack you, you remove two dice. Yeah. That's the way to look at it. So this is one of the unique cards that lasts the entire game until it is fulfilled. Mm. It, it is in effect. Um, also, this card is awesome. Not because it's like particularly powerful or good or bad, but this is just like exactly what we want from tactics cards. We want things that change the way this game is played in fun and interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And th- this is a perfect example of that. So I think this is going to get a little bit personal bias from all three of us just because it's so cool. Um yeah, this is a great card. I, I purposely play this a little bit like all you've got. Um yeah. which is which is it's it's in a lot of my rosters because if I'm in a in a situation where I sent my you know my three pointer or my four pointer on a flank up against Modoc, you know, here's a blind obsession against Modoc, you know, deal with this now. And what's happened to me in the past so far is that when I do that Blind Obsession is basically giving me usually an offensive bonus, and my opponent usually doesn't bother. Because once I go to um, uh, five dice or six dice defense against their attacks, they start saying, you know what, I'm wasting my time. I'm actually going to lose the game because I'm going to waste activations trying to kill this thing that's obsessed with me. So I'm better off just taking a couple extra attack dice every round and committing somewhere else. Um, And so it's it, that's well, the way I played it so far. I have actually not seen somebody so far when I played Blind Obsession like go hard at me and be like, "Let's just try to overwhelm the obsession." I, I haven't seen that happen. Usually, it's the opposite. They just yeah. They live well, because this. obviously you don't play it turn one because you can't even afford to. Right. So it, you wait until the board is kind of settled and the, the like. The matchups have been determined. People have committed to locations because if you play the card then and they're like, oh, "Okay," even if they have priority, it's like. Their option is run the character away from you. And it's like, all right, I move up and attack you. And you're mm-hmm. like, take a bunch of damage. Then what do they go? They move. They go up and double move towards you with somebody else. It's like, I guess you, if you could be dumb and play it on somebody that's very centrally positioned. But, I mean, most of the time, you're going to basically kill the guy before they ever have a chance to do anything about it. Because mm-hmm. if you have priority and you play it, and you're already engaged with the dude. You just kill him. And then next turn, he gets undazed, he flips, and then you actually kill him and the card goes away. 
I don't know. It's it's very strong if if used if you leverage it in the right way. You you want to leverage it where your opponent can't just swarm you, uh, and and try and get it in a way that still matters. I think it's um. There's two things. I think it's very scenario dependent. Um, if you get the ones where you split the board in half, I think it can yeah. be very very powerful. Um, and it's very very good uh, at the I need to finish this guy off splash for three power I will throw three extra dice at you two times and I'll probably murder you and then the whole thing goes away I think it's hilarious that if you do it earlier on a character or whatever they can't shake it or anything like it's just like Mm -hmm. on you Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's pretty cool Um, I think it's a super cool card I'm I'm with you Brandon in the fact that it's interesting so, Killmonger, usurp the throne, blind obsession, dune prophecy. What doesn't he kill? <laughs> houses. That's like, he I kills think, houses. I think I've done the math. I believe it is twenty-four attack dice. Yeah. Which which means that if it was put on uh, Medusa, it's like a thousand attack dice, like yeah. a thousand. And what's funny about this card is you can use it for to, to go over the top, kind of like uh, or with. Um, uh, all you've got, or you can use it as like an attrition card, where you're just like, I'm going to make this game really miserable for you in this one-on-one for the rest of this game. Like, you are you are not yeah. going to win this. You're slowly going to lose this. Or I might blow you out because I'm rolling six six or seven die attacks. You know, I'm, so, I'm, a, Remember, I'm a ridiculously premium model for the rest of this game. Yeah. Remember when we used to have like the D deployment, where so there's four secures, two were on the flanks, two were in the middle, but really far back. Mm-hmm. And so we would just send like <clears throat> one character to each flank. We're like, all right, it's your job to hold this point till the end of time. But mm-hmm. and we would throw like Spider Man and Iron Man out there because they're really consistent. But how do you get rid of Spider Man with Blind Obsession? He's only five defense dice with Spider Senses, and he's hitting you back with like seven or eight attack dice. And he can push you. It's like, you're never going to kill that guy. Like, you have to spend, like, a six or seven point character in there to deal with him. Like, it's just like you play one tactics card to win a flank. Like, mm-hmm. what? why would you play Battle Lust when you could play this? Like, this card is so good. It's really good. I, I think um, I think we'll see this card a lot. Um, I think people will play this card. Yeah. I, I will say All this. Right. If you're... If it, its value goes up if you like those kind of scenarios. If you like the wide across the board scenarios, deployment um, delta. Yeah, so I, I do like that. You're like, oh, I got like several deployment deltas in here. Let's make sure blind obsession here. I'm going to win a bunch of delta fights. Like that's it's it'll happen. Cool. Seven. All right. So ratings. I was going to give this a seven. Oh my well. god, seven. <laughs> seven habit. Because eight, we're starting to get into the realm of this card should probably be be looked at for the restricted list, mm-hmm. or is like meta defining. Mm-hmm. And then at a nine, this card probably should be on the restricted list, and then probably needs to be banned after that. If 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 it's a ten in this game, it should probably be banned. Yep. All right. Next up, uh, let's do a few more of these. I'm not gonna get too far down. Speaking of uh, restricted, brace for impact. Uh, reactive card. If one or more allies would suffer a collision, they may each spend one power to play this card. Characters that spent power do not suffer damage from this collision. I do not like this card. Uh, this card should cost two. <laughs> I, lo- I absolutely love it. I if love this card. card wasn't restricted, it would be awful for the game. It, it would. The fact that it is restricted actually, I think, was the best move that we've made so far in the game. I would rather this card be restricted then drop off not be banned 
Does that make sense? Drop off is is less damaging to the game than unrestricted brace. Hmm. Does I think, that make sense? Yeah, brace is more universal and ubiquitous, that's for sure. Like it just it just deletes portions of the game. Like, why would you ever value a throw when every list forever will have brace in it? Like immediately anyone that has a throw is just like, yeah, never mind. Like like it's just not even worth doing. Like like it would just invalidate huge portions of the game. Yeah, I think it feels right. It, the choice that I always make is the healing card versus brace, and I always take brace. I know you usually take a healing card. Um, whatever, it, it's it's choose your poison, and I think either is fine. Um, I like brace more because it feels better in my play style, the way I play. But uh, I from a from a game preference standpoint, I have always hated things that counter your opponent's effects. Mm-hmm. They are less fun to use as the whole for both players. Like. Who wants to be like, ah, oh, I can do this thing. Ah, oh, you can't. Like, okay, well, why are we here? Like, I want to do this, and you say I can't. Like, it just is less fun for both people than both of us are going to do the thing we want to do as hard as we can. From mm. a from a philosophy standpoint, I've always been that way. Says, and this card, I think Brace needs to be player. in the game. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's why I play Cabal. Like, that's exactly correct. Like, in Magic, I play Red. I'm going to blow you up as fast as I can. And Come over here and let me stop hit me. You is dumb, stupid bullshit that shouldn't be in the game. Get over here and let me hit you. Yeah. I play Kador, I play Russians, I play... Like, every game yeah. I've played is the I-do-my-thing-real-good faction. It's just fun to me. Uh, that being said, obviously, this card needs to exist, because throws would be too good without it, but if it was all the time, throws wouldn't be mm-hmm. as good. So, I think this is a good, good well-landing point. Uh, I'm going to rate this uh, a 7 as well. Mm. Jeremy. Mm, 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 mm. Hit me, hit me with them digits. Uh, I think I got to go a nine. <laughs> There's no way this card is a nine. All right. Well, if it was wasn't restricted, I'd say it was nine. <laughs> As is. Nine. Parker, I'm gonna go a seven because it doesn't actually always save you damage, uh, because it's possible for you to just dodge it, right? So, um, I mean, that pl- was my philosophy at first until you know people start throwing size four shit at you. Like, yeah. like when we were initially rating this card, you could only really si- throw size two stuff, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't that big of a deal. And then it's like, and then like Magneto and like you know She Hulk and stuff comes in the game. You're like, this is starting to hurt, guys. Like, and then the truck pack gets released. Like, guys, there's actually size four terrain. Now. You you use it for when you need to use it, not because yeah. it feels like it feels good. It, it... Hulk, Hulk got thrown into my Captain America. All yes. of a sudden, I'm about to lose two characters. Modok, Modok. If you have Modok in your list, you need Brace because Modok will yeah. come flying at you. Like that's what it's mm-hmm. for. Uh, I'm gonna come up to an eight and round us up to an eight. Okay. Because I think technically we should round to a seven, but I, I I think I agree with your argument. Next, climbing gear. Ooh, that's a good. I remember the first time I read this card, and I was like, holy shit, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's got one of my favorite characters on it, not in the game yet, Moon Knight. Uh, I will break a, all of your fingers. It's an active character. Oh, sorry, active uh, power. Uh, any character may spend three to play this card. This character gains wall crawler until the end of the round. This character immediately advances short. Uh, probably the best movement card in the game, in my opinion. Uh, it is super flexible. The only downside is the character that wants to move has to spend the power. Uh, I love that it can happen not during that character's activation. Uh, super good. Um, gaining wall crawler in addition to the free move is great. 
Um, like, if, for example, someone has, like, placed Hulk in melee range of you with, like, uh, Red Skull or somebody, you can place, you can move your character then out of range to force them to do something else. Uh, it's very good. Once per game, this is always the answer. Like, yeah. if you don't no, have every... it in your list, you say, shit, if I just yeah. had that, it, it is. Once per game, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, you look mm-hmm. down and go, if I just had climbing gear, it's yeah. that good. If only Black Dwarf had a repel gun, this would be better. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I don't know if there's really much more we can say about this. Anybody who's played tabletop games understands how important positioning is, and this is blatantly good positioning. If you haven't haven't played tabletop games, just imagine uh, Avengers symbol um, for anybody you want. Like, that's that good. Not Avengers restricted. Right. Uh, yeah, so it's a little expensive, uh, but yeah, out of activation movement is super good. Uh, I'm gonna go with an eight. This card is like you exactly like you said, Jeremy. Every single game of Marvel Crisis Protocol ever played, this card would have fixed a problem at some point <laughs> that was important. And so it's it's important to realize that. And I think this is a card, much like Mark for Death, that gets overlooked way too often. Also, it's priced right. I mean, I feel like you get yeah, what you pay seems for. Fair. It's not. Exactly. It's not too cheap. It, I'm going to go an eight as well. I mean, just throw it out there. It's good. It's good. Parker. Uh, I never play it because I play other movement cards, but it's an eight. So you're an idiot, is what you're saying. Oh, I just God. play other movement cards. Just shave your head. Just shave it. Yeah. Just just do it. If you don't have a wager by the end of the episode, I get to pick the wager, and it's going to be shaved head bet. Shaved head bet. <laughs> We're getting close. Parker, the time's ticking away. You're going to do it for the Next. school, for the students. It's for yeah. the students. You can put it on Facebook and act like you're a hero or something. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I poured ice water on my head. Look how good of a person I am. <laughs> All right. So card number one is uh, Disarm. Uh, I think it gets the award for characters you had to wait the longest for before they came out because it's like one of the very first cards of the game. And mm-hmm. only one of the characters was in the box. Uh, when two allied characters are within range three of the same enemy character, the allied characters may spend one each to play this card. The enemy character rolls two fewer dice on all attacks this round to a minimum of one. So uh, this was actually played a lot in the TTS League. And I think it is because of um, cards like all you've got and like super important characters like modok and thanos like this is actually pretty impactful i think uh people need to realize that this is actually crippling to a lot of characters yep uh it you know what it's in my list recently quite a bit and every time i get close to being able to pull it off for some reason i just can't and it doesn't work out that way um it it just takes being in a certain spot at a certain time and you have to have the power um but with that said a better player it's an awesome card yeah i think it's mostly just a practice thing like remember when you know we first started playing cosmic invigoration was basically impossible it's like you might as well just rip the card in half and throw it away because you'll never play it (laughs) until turns out a year into the game and you're like no any turn of the game i could have played cosmic invigoration because i know where to put my bottles now like i know how to keep those ranges correct uh so, Parker, I'm going to pop quiz you here. Are you ready? Mm. How many dice would you consider a premium basic attack to have? If you're like, this guy has a premium zero-cost attack, how many dice does it do? Six. And if someone has a very poor basic attack, how many dice does it do? 
uh, that'd be four, right? Four? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, that's like the basement, so four. Okay, so this takes Magneto down to long range. Like, this, that's the level of impact we're talking about. Because I think a lot of people just say two dice. Oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. Like, the attack cards add two dice. Mm -hmm. You have to remember, it's against a defense. You're trying to overcome a set value. And so you need to get bigger than it to have a high average of damage. If you have the same amount of dice, you're only doing, like, half of damage on average. Like... So this is actually a pretty noticeable amount of damage reduction. And you might look at people like Magneto's like, well, he gets to reroll his dice, so it's actually not that good. Actually, it's better. Reducing the total pool is going to reduce his maximum number of hits, which means the rerolls are going to be less valuable than they normally would be because he's going to get a decent amount of hits and skulls anyway. The number of modifiable misses is going to go down when you reduce the dice, so rerolls become less effective. So I think I think this card is is dramatically undervalued. It's pretty huge. It's a great card. Yeah, and I, it's I cheap. Think it, uh, I think it maybe at one time it was dramatically undervalued. I think people are figuring it out now in general, and I think it's because there are a lot of cards out there that can make one character's activation, you know, king shit activation, and then mm-hmm. you have to have a way to be able to neuter that and deal with that. With other cards, like all you've got out there, like, well, shit, he's got all you've got, he's got Modoc, he's got Thanos, how can I deal with that without my own all you've got? I don't have my character to all you've got. Well, just disarm. Yeah. So now you're, now you're, you do you want to spend your turn four, this crucial turn four, trying to eliminate two of my models with disarm? And you're like, ah, no. So I guess we'll try to play on turn five when I've already won the victory because I have, you know, I've already won on control points. So yeah. it's, it's it's really strong. When this card was printed, you know, there wasn't Modoc and Magneto and, you know, Thanos running around just one-shotting people. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as important. Yep. And you know, all you've got wasn't even a card yet. Yep. Uh, I think I'm going to give this a seven. Seven feels fine. I'll follow That's you. That's fine, or you're okay. You're also doing seven, all right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm seven's good. I thought you were rating my rating. <laughs> no, Parker. Uh, I actually think it's six. You guys will overrule me, but I, I think it, the only reason why I think it's six is because uh, I think I value being proactive more, and the fact that this doesn't do anything to it does disable them for one turn, but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily win the game unless like you get that. I think it's a little bit more conditional than uh, you might give it credit for, but. Yeah, but it's kind of like those scenes in the epic uh, medieval battle movies when it's like the two armies are running across the field and they slam at each other. It's like, what if one army was like had themselves like sprayed in the face with like like icky goo or something? It's mm-hmm. like, well, that's gonna swing the tide of this battle really hard if it happens at exactly the right moment. Well, right? that and because imagine it's like turn. Go ahead. Uh, just imagine where your models are to be within range to do this. So mm-hmm. if you have two models within three of Modoc. I mean, they're getting ready to die. Or they can do that and be okay. Mm -hmm. Kind of. So obviously, big problem being priority, but yes. Yeah, priority. You have to make sure you get priority. So this would be... The only reason this probably isn't even better is is because you have to be able to go first. Um, But yeah, because there's... If we think about the actual, like, up-in-the-air turns is usually, like, turns two and three. That's really when the rubber meets the road and things are decided is turns two and three. And then turns four, five, and six is just mostly trying to not make mistakes if you're in the lead or try to exploit mistakes if you're losing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you are correct that it, this is only affecting a very small amount of the game, but I think if you if you manage to leverage at the right moment, I think, I think it is worth it. All right, let's do two more cards and we're going to call it. 
All right. So, uh, Doomed Prophecy. Uh, it's a reactive card. At the start of the activation phase, any allied character may spend three power to play this card. This character cannot roll defense dice against uh, physical attacks. Additionally, this character adds dice to its physical attacks equal to its physical defense until the beginning of their next activation. Uh, very important that it says uh, cannot roll physical defense dice because you can't have your dice reduced to less than one. And so there are some characters that just wouldn't care. Also, you can't then also add dice back to it. Because if you were like, let's see, like like Captain America, you could Vibranium Shield and then get uh, the protective magic from Doctor Strange and have like, I could do this all day up. And you could actually still end up blocking a decent amount even though you've played this card. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, it is a silly amount of extra dice compared to all other cards in the game. I think the only trick is is you have to time it correctly because it does have a, a cost to it and you have to be able to do it at the top of your activation and a lot you of times yeah a lot of times you don't have the power to do it either when you want to do it that's what i find i'll have it but i'm one power shy of being able to pull it off correctly um again that's it's a me issue i mean this was the first all you've got right like because this came out first yeah sure. but all you got is at the end this one's at the beginning yeah no, yeah, so all you've got is just a different take on the same concept, is you're going to trade your life, or survivability, or health, or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to trade some portion of my defense for more offense. And so this is actually changing the dice rolled. Uh, it's obviously more similar, probably, to Blind Obsession than it is to all you've got, but there's kind of the same concept still. Is I'm going, to, I'm going to do over and above to try and kill you, but I'm going to take a negative effect for it. Obviously, combining them is really cool, <laughs> so you get both. I was, I was going to say, Doom Prophecy does have a, another stipulation, whereas uh, all you've got, you know, your opponent doesn't have to do anything. You're, you're just, you know, you get dazed or KO'd. Your opponent does nothing. Yeah. But Doom Prophecy still requires your opponent to interact with your character. Like, you do have sure. to, it does, it costs your opponent's activations in order mm-hmm. for them to take advantage of the fact that you debilitated your own character. So... I think in terms of total tax, there is a there. Doom Prophecy does doesn't have nearly as much tax as just remove your character. Um, That's correct. Um, totally agree with you on that point because this is basically just saying you get my defense dice for the round, as where all you've got actually kills your character. I think its actual tax lies in the fact that it's restricted. Like it really taxes your cards you can take. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, but that that happened after the fact, obviously. But True. yeah, that is that's part of the thing you have to consider on it. Um, conveniently, field dressing fixes both problems. Yeah, which is why field dressing's fucking dumb. Uh, I'll actually say this also about Doom Prophecy. It's all about physical defense. So if you're just happen to be up against somebody who's rolling Mystic and that's just all they got, True. then you just be like, it's kind of like um, obsession in that way. You're just like, hey, I'm on a flank with you, and uh, ooh, looks like you do not have a physical attack. Let's go ahead and. <laughs> Like yeah, there's very few characters that don't have physical damage though. Oh, but, uh, but let's. But sometimes Enchantress. Yeah. Enchantress? Enchantress. Is she the only one who's uh, just mystic? Does Loki have a physical attack? Loki has physical. Uh, I can't think of anyone else that can't do physical. Some some people have to pay for their physical. Like Killmonger has to pay for his. Sure. Uh, but I mean that just means you're gonna extra die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they kind of want to kill you because if you're doomed, so. Right. I can't think of anybody else. Like, Modoc does. All of the melee characters do. Because um, even if they have, like, an energy basic, they have 
a physical other attack. But Modok mm. having Modok a lot of characters uses. can choose. Yeah, Modok mm. can. Ooh, yeah. um, nope. Iron Man has homing rockets. Homing rockets is physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit. Captain Marvel, I think. I think she has a physical. She attack. has a physical. Yeah, she has a physical strike. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm forgetting a. Oh, Doctor Strange. Ah, Doctor Strange. I think he does not have Doctor Strange. He does not. However, his affiliation is change the damage type. Right. That he's not technically in defenders all the time. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, there's there's less than a handful of people that couldn't do physical. Well, even if you even if you had some situation where your opponent had more difficulty engaging you with a physical attack, right? Like you you were like you were doing it from. a long range away, and they did not have a physical up, you know, at that range. Right, yeah, for yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, how do we want to rate this? Do we want to talk about more, or are we ready for numbers? Numbers. Numbers? Uh, I give this a six. It's actually only useful on a select characters, as where all you've got is useful on everybody in almost every situation that you need to do more. This, you have to do it at the start of the activation phase. So you can't be like, oops, I didn't kill you. You have to plan this out in advance. Um, again, you have to have a physical attack that's good or worth using at least. And then you're trading your physical defense dice. So it depends. Like, obviously you wouldn't want to do it on someone like Enchantress because they don't even have a physical attack. Uh, Modok would be another terrible example because he would only get two extra dice. And it'd have to be on his spending attack. Uh mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, it's it's obviously more restrictive than all you've got, um, and I think just worse. Honestly, if we were talking about which one of these cards is better, I think it's pretty obvious all you've got is better, mm-hmm. even I, with the negatives. I, I think that there's a handful, I mean, maybe three models in the game that bring this card to like an eight, but most of the yeah. game, I believe it lands around a five or a six. Um, yeah. I would say probably a five because what it does is damage, and it also hurts the model doing it because they can be hurt back, and it really doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't push. It doesn't. It doesn't throw things. Um, it's it, basically just different blind obsession. You're trying to get it in a situation mm-hmm. where you're basically one v one and you have priority, right? Like that's basically the situation. But blind obsession gives you defense. This lowers your yes. defense. So, so I, blind obsession is just better than this card so often. There are times, though, where Dune Prophecy is better. Like, we talked about earlier, Punisher with Dune Prophecy is probably better because he's just going to do so much damage before you can kill him that it's just it doesn't matter. Like, he's doing eight attacks if you do all you've got and Dune Prophecy, eight attacks with seven dice. Like, it's just so many dice that he'll just kill people. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a handful. Um, Punisher, Medusa is one. There, there's yeah. several that can just go bananas off of it. Yeah. It's just so niche that I don't think it's worth going up. Uh, so I think I said six. Jeremy said five. Parker, what's your number? Uh, I'll actually also say six because you can actually uh, you can play it and in a situation that you have almost no ram- you know negatives, um, which is which is very similar to uh, uh, blind obsession. But blind obsession, like we just said, is better, noticeably better. So I think it's a six. Six it is. Uh, I think that this card should come off the restricted list. Um, if this is going to be restricted, then all you've got and uh, Blind Obsession probably need to be on there too then, honestly. Because I don't see how this card is any stronger than them. All right. Speaking of uh, strong cards. Uh, Last card. Drop off. <laughs> Are we talking about drop off? I just realized. Are we yeah. talking about drop off? Okay. No, I, I intentionally did this one. This should be quick. Okay. Uh, so 
people that don't know what this card does probably don't need to know because it's banned. Mm -hmm. But it could eventually get unbanned. Yep. So it's a reactive card. When an allied character with flight begins a move action within uh, range 2 of another allied character, uh, equal, equal or smaller base size, they can spend one each to play this card before moving the flyer. Uh, when the active flying character ends this move, place the allied character that was within range 2 one within range 1 of it. The place character may immediately perform one of its attacks that it has listed power cost of 0. So, just so you know, Parker, I'm going to be playing drop-off when War Machine comes out, just to do uh, War Machine and Rocket. Yeah. Because I want to reenact the card. Uh, no one can tell me I can't. No, I can't tell you. Okay, uh, yeah, the reason this card was banned is because for two power, a, a, a long place and an extra attack is just way too valuable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's it's amazing uh, board positioning, it's amazing action economy, it's, it's just too good. Uh, it got effectively reprinted in Special Delivery for A-Force, but... Uh, I would actually like to see this card get unbanned eventually. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it'll happen. I think eventually we could see power creep to the point where this card isn't considered crazy. It's just restricted. I would like to see it restricted. I think that would be nice. Yeah, I would, obviously I'm not saying open play. I'm just saying it mm -hmm. should probably be downgraded from banned or restricted. Because you do have to like have a plan. This isn't just always broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I was going to say about it is... Uh, this card kind of reminds me of advanced R&D a little bit because mm -hmm. generally speaking, you're playing with this going, okay, usually it's not turn one, it's turn two. We're like, But on turn two, I'm dropping off. Now, the drop-off yeah. target and how you'll use it will change from game to game based upon the scenario and your opponent, but you're like, on turn two, these two characters are dropping off so I get maximum value for my drop-off. And that's really... And, and for that reason... Uh, I, I don't really like it in games for the same reason I don't like Advanced R&D in games, which is it becomes kind of like Solitaire. This one is more interactive than that because you're putting both characters closer to your opponent, likely, and in harm's way. You're usually not waiting till turn four to move characters out because if one of them gets dazed or pushed or something, then you, you drop off completely falls flat. So you, since yeah. you're usually using it proactively, um, it's a little bit of Solitaire, but at least you're usually using it to get closer to your opponent to enable something. Uh, to get a nice alpha strike, and I like alpha striking, so it it's got positives and negatives for me in terms of like gameplay. And I know I know I can see why they banned it because uh, playing against an alpha strike is negative. It's a negative play experience. Yeah, I get that. I there is a little bit of counterplay with this. If you've got longer range uh, board manipulation, you can just split them up so they can't trigger drop off with their move. Mm -hmm. And so there, there are counterplays. Potentially you could take power off of one of them, I guess. That's really hard to do, though. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's good, but it does force them to run around in pairs. And so if they're committing two characters and a tactics card to fight one of your guys, like, I guess. It's, it's obviously good, though. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Um, nine pizza rolls. <laughs> nine pizza rolls. Yep. Parker. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine with a caveat that it could be a ten with certain characters, but it's not with every character, so it's nine. Um, we we heard a rumor that Cable was the reason Drop Off got banned, is because in playtesting, Cable was too good. Uh, I can't imagine that to be true now that we've seen Cable. <laughs> I think I, I I truly think that there was a an iteration of Cable where his gun was a strength six. Um. And yeah, that's probably true. at that point, it probably was a little bit overpowered. But strength five gun shooting twice, who gives a shit? 
It, well, also, his body slide by one might have been a movement, so it would have triggered drop off. Yeah. Uh, wait. Because then he could... uh, The other problem with him is his card, right, that lets him move earlier in the game, like one character moves out of the deployment zone. I don't think that... The X-Force been... card, right? I, I know that card. I just don't think that would... If you're spending two tactics cards to get a couple attacks, like then, you know, Gamma Launch would be the same problem. Right. Like, you just... Like, if you want infinite placement, let's just do the infinite placement thing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible. And they're probably talking about dropping off Cable, like what happens when Angela drops off Cable on turn one, and he's, like, in the middle of the board shooting people, like, before you've gone. But mm -hmm. it just doesn't... Like, if you want to do that, and then then why is Advanced R&D allowed? Like, if that's what we're talking about, then why why is this a conversation? Like, that I don't see how drop-off is... is it is very very aggressively priced is the problem it should cost two power each not one that's the problem mm -hmm. with drop off i mean two uh, power each or one power each is fine just take away the attack i mean three attacks from cable is kind of a bitch you probably are going to lose valkyrie well well but in that situation it's one attack from cable because you're dropping he doesn't have flight you're dropping him off yeah so he's getting one so he'll get one and then and then, and then you go I, you're not going to kill him I mean, he's no, gonna... but you can you can move out of range. You can play yeah. a you can play a healing card. You can move out of line of sight. Like there's there's counterplay. Like, it's, it's not, not great. Like, I, I don't I don't really not, care that yeah. much about it. it ain't it's great. not the war machine. Kara Sloan's <laughs> gonna put nine shots into your deployment zone. Where it's like, let's just go for the top of one assassinations. It's like yeah. that was a thing. It's like, did you not get a turn? I'm sorry, you didn't get a turn in this miniatures game. Is that not normal? Like it took a half hour to set up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, so we've rated it. Uh, Drop-off's really good. I want to see Drop-off go to Restricted. I also want to see Field Dressing go to Restricted. I want to see Doom Prophecy be unrestricted. Field Dressing is restricted. I want to be extra restricted. Oh. <laughs> Don't deck With an asterisk? Yeah. Uh, what if they're... I, I mean, they don't need to do this. This is just random spitballing. But like, what if there was two restricted lists? There was one you could get two cards off of. There's one you can only get one card off of. You put drop off and field dressing on the double restricted list where they basically count as two slots or whatever. And then there's the one where you can have two cards off this list. Uh, and then if you want super convoluted, Netrunner had a really good uh, like a point buy system where you you had like 15 points to buy cards with. And you could if you're taking cards out of your faction... You can only take 15 points worth of cards, and cards will have a point value of, like, 1 to 5. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, well, I want to take drop-off. We'll cost you 5 of your 15. And then, like, field dressing is also 5 of 15. And you're like, oh, well, I'm running out of options real quick. Uh, I do think we need to up the Tactus cards to, to 10. 8 is not enough. It's very limiting, for sure. Yeah. It's it's not that it makes you make hard choices. It's that it, it gives you no choice. That's yeah. the problem. It's, it's restrictive to the point of pro prohibiting you taking cards that are actually useful you have in in every list there are at least 10 cards that are like feel like must includes you have the the needs and the wants needs are always yeah. in there and your wants are like well i guess not today yeah <laughs> it's guess like how many people those. have never played like uh you know mark for death or recal or climbing gear like all these cards are like this card should be in every list but it's like you can't I don't like that. It's not like, man, you're gonna have to make some tough choices. Like you're like in there with a cleaver and looking at four kids. Like gotta make some choices. Like, <laughs> like that's not. A, this isn't a situation that people should be put in. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Parker, let us listen to your stupid rant about dumb stuff, and then we can get out of here. Cool, comic corner. <laughs> 
Uh, Comic Corner today, I'm excited about uh, Sinister. We have some more information about him, and he's coming out. I'm going to share my favorite Mr. Sinister ever. Um, it comes from uh, a, a non-titled uh, graphic novel, so you can get it collected. But it's Uncanny X-Men is the title. It's volume four uh, in the graphic novel, but you can also get individual issues. They're Uncanny X-Men issues 15 to 20. Uh, it was actually Uncanny X-Men's uh, title uh, uh, during the A versus X event, where the Avengers fought the X-Men uh, regarding the Phoenix Force. Uh, talked about that in an earlier uh, comic corner. But the reason why I'm showcasing this one is it has by far my favorite take on the X-Men versus Mr. Sinister uh, a fight. It's absolutely amazing uh, because Mr. Sinister basically, uh, uh, he clones himself a million times and makes a miniature London underneath, uh, I think is uh, Montana. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, somewhere in the Northwest. Yeah. Somewhere in the Northwest. And the, um, the, the X-Men powered up by the Phoenix force uh, find out that he's there, and they're like, we're, we're going to exterminate this problem once and for all. He's a he's a blight on everyone. We just need to take him out. And Mr. Sinister, with pure science and logic, is ready for the overwhelming force of the Phoenix. And the fight is wonderful because he's a geneticist, and he, just, he basically goes full Rick from Rick and Morty, and he just weaponizes everything. He clones everyone and weaponizes everyone. Um, at one point, he... It, he 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 weaponize he clones Gambit and weaponizes him so that he charges his own body and he just throws hundreds of Gambit grenades at Phoenix Colossus, which is just like and the concept. And he's just like, why did you why did you clone Gambit for this to work? You could have just like made grenades. He goes, yeah, but they're going to be really surprised by Gambit grenades, <laughs> like because they know this guy, <laughs> like like it's going to be twisted and wonderful. And that's what happens. Like Colossus is is like the size of a 20-story building, and all of a sudden Gambits pour out of a, build, of the, a roof of a building onto his head. He's like, Gambit? And boom, 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 they just start exploding in bloody explosions. And he's just, and that's the whole, that, that, and the, that is the beginning of the, the fight. Uh, it gets so good. So if you've never um, uh, had a comic book you know, featuring the modern Mr. Sinister, it, this was comic introduced me to the modern Mr. Sinister, where he's not just apocalypse you know you know diet apocalypse basically um it's really good and the conclusion is super satisfying so uncanny x-men volume two uh the a versus x uh a crossover uh portion and um it features all the x-men actually it, all not just the phoenix ones but the other ones enter the, the fray as well it's super duper good Cool. So this week you want them to read the comic? Yep. Right? I think this Because <laughs> last one... week you were like, don't read this. I was like, what? Uh, last week I said read it if you want more information about the Marvel Universe. But but don't read it if you enjoy things that are good. <laughs> if, yeah. It's not a great story. Uh, poor, the poor thing. I just think it was poorly conceived. This one today, the, the this story about Sinister, is just, it's, it's entertaining. Well, it's entertaining the same way Rick and Morty is. It's just like this is... This is what would happen if you gave a super genius infinite, you know, uh, potential and just space to explore and set them up against the cosmic force. Like, that would be awesome. Yeah. Let's watch that. Um, it's great. Yeah. Alrighty, cool. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining us today. I hope you had a good time. I hope you did not like listening to Parker ramble about his stupid comics. And uh, uh, Oh, by the way, I have, been... I have your bet. I have your bet. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. All right, what's our wager? Our wager. Okay, how about this? Um, if I'm right 
and Sinister is unaffiliated. Oh, actually, let's just say, let's make this bet. Unaffiliated on release. Sure. Yeah. I I, I actually just don't think he's going to be in Brotherhood. Because he could be in another faction. I just don't think he's going to be in Brotherhood. Can I make that bet? Or does he have to be unaffiliated? Okay, so which affiliation do you think he's going to be in? I think he's more likely to be in Cabal because Cabal is just like the catch-all. I think there is a chance he'll be in Cabal, but I think he'll be in Brotherhood if he's going to be in Cabal. Okay, so what do you... How about about we have a push then? If he's only in Cabal, it's a push. And if if he's in Brotherhood at all, I win. If he's not in Brotherhood or Cabal, you win. He might be in Marauders, okay. but if they're going to make the Marauders faction, yeah. we're going to push that one. Yeah, yeah, so okay. if he's unaffiliated on release, yep. you win. And mm. if he's in Brotherhood at all, I win. And if it's okay. anything else, it's a push. Okay. Uh, and my bet was going to be really simple. Um, Shaved head bet. Loser loser buys the Sinister. So if you... if you, So I'm buying... Either you or me are buying two Sinisters? Yep. That seems fair. I can, I, can, I can live with that. Okay. All right. It's a bet. It's recorded <laughs> on a live line. All right. <laughs> Sorry, so let's let's just figure out what this is going to be. We'll probably actually know fairly soon. Uh, This has been Brandon. And Parker. And Jeremy. And thank you for listening to The Gang Goes to the Wall. I'm podcasting. I want you to podcast as hard as you can. I'll drive to your house and podcast real hard. All right. Uh, so exciting news, guys. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna announce this tomorrow, but on this next Saturday, not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday, I'm gonna be holding an event at the store for Marvel Crisis Protocol. Oh yeah. I'm gonna run the Vibranium Heist narrative event. We'll be like heisting the shit out of things. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm building a robot. Its name is Heistatron. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're going to uh, deliver pizzas. You son of a bitch, I'm in. For, forcibly <laughs> deliver pizzas to planets. Let's bug, let's bug it. What is the surveillance? It puts down, put down an enormous hidden camera. <laughs> uh. Let's get out of here before they get wise. <laughs> it's like the whole plan is on fire. They're, people are floating in like the, the fragments. Uh, that's good stuff. I just saw that the other day. <laughs> I need to rewatch the last season. There's a bunch of stuff I kind of forgot about. You know what show um, I started to watch, and it's really weird what's good about it? is Solar Opposites. Have you guys watched Solar Opposites? Oh, I tried to watch that okay. and I couldn't. Okay, here's I the th- just couldn't. Here's the thing. Um mm-hmm. so it's they they it is not Rick and Morty. It's totally yeah. different. I noticed um, that. Don't don't watch it if you want Rick and Morty. However, um I do recommend I, I, it's almost worth watching the entire season 1 just for the 10 minutes about the wall so that it sets up season 2. Uh so uh, right, I don't know. Did, did you ever see any of the parts where uh, one of the main characters, the one of the replicants, uh, uses his shrinking gun to shrink people and then puts them into this giant terrarium he has yeah. in his wall? Yeah. Okay, so that was the only good part about the show. Right. So in the first season, there's only ten whole minutes of like story taking place in the wall. It's like a C story, right? It's not even A or B. Yeah. And so, uh, but in that like ten minutes, they set up this intrigue about what's going on in there, and then in season two, they make good on that intrigue. They have like some serious episodes about it. 
Um, in fact, maybe in season one, there's like one whole episode about the wall. But uh, I but, think there is. But, yeah. But everything outside of that was just so like bad Family Guy. Okay. Like it's not even good Family Guy. It's bad Family Guy. It's, it's just like, why am I here? Uh, season two, the wall story gets amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually I started watching the show and then I started I watched the wall and then I found out online you can actually watch just the wall like they just took the whole rest of the they show just cut away. Everything else out. Yeah, yeah, they just cut the whole show out and just left this part about the wall. And so I didn't even watch all of season two. I just watched the wall part of season two, and I'm blown away. I'm so excited for season three so I can watch somebody edit it for just the parts about the wall because mm-hmm. it's really it's really good television. It's for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's basically that Morty's Mind Blowers episode where they're stuck in that giant terrarium and they trick the. Uh, the humans to come in and save them and they leave the humans there. It's basically mm-hmm. that small scene in Rick and Morty, but the alien is a kid with a shrink ray and he just keeps <laughs> putting people in this little terrarium yep. because like stuff happens. Like he gets in trouble at school. So like he'll shrink his teacher, put his teacher in the terrarium. Yeah. And he's like, where's your teachers? Like, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> He it's, just keeps hiding his problems by shrinking people and putting them in the terrarium. It, it's, it's a, it's amazingly well done, and I will actually say this. Whoever is uh, – I actually do not remember who's writing it. Um, uh, I know the creators Rick and Morty are behind it, but I do not know how much they're writing it. But the point is – It's just the, the guy who does the voice of Rick. It's not Dan okay. Harmon. Okay. So, it's just the Rick guy. So no, what, this is the, I know his name. No, it's making me mad, Shit. too. Yeah. Um. I'm looking it up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to try. I'm not gonna I try never to got to the yeah. wall episode. I, I've watched about half of it. And like Family Guy, there's some of it that makes me chuckle, but like watching it all in a row, a full episode yeah. is just a little much. I'm like, yeah. I just if I yeah, if I was bored, I could easily watch an episode, but I'm rarely bored enough to watch more than one in a row. Yeah, and I have other stuff to do anyway, so it's more like a waste of time. Uh, Justin Roiland, Justin Roiland, Justin. Justin that's it. So, uh, they're doing a really good job because the the, the scenes from the wall. You do not know this because it feels like such a sea story. Like it feels like it doesn't matter. And then, as it turns out, it really matters as this like completely separate, important saga. And everything in those episodes matters very much. So, like, even though some of those clips are only like 30 seconds or two minutes or three minutes long, like, every single thing in the background matters. Every character that you see matters because they show up and are important to certain story points later in season two. It's like, it's ridiculously a, a detailed and a masterful bit of storytelling. And the season two story is super compelling. I am. I root so hard for the wall characters, and I really could give a shit less about the aliens. And so that's yeah. And that's one of the things. It's in terms of a storytelling choice to make like your your side story going on on literally the background. It's literally going on in the wall. Mm-hmm. Be like it's, so so much better than your main story. It's weird, mm-hmm. and I think it's on purpose. It's almost like someone was in charge of that. And they're like an underling at the show and like they put them in charge of just this weird side plot. Mm-hmm. And so they're actually doing a good job and everyone else but the show is failing. <laughs> and it's just like that when you when you got that one person on the team doing their job really well and everybody around them is just like on yeah. fire. It's like, God damn it, guys, come on. But uh, I actually anyway, Solar Opposites is basically Third Rock from the Sun meets Family Guy. Yeah, it's 
that's a good analogy. I what my secret hope is is that slowly over time, no matter how, I don't know how long it we're just gonna becomes be the wall. Yes, <laughs> slowly over time, the aliens like fade away into literally the background, and the show flips. In the one episode that features the wall primarily, there is an alien plot about them fighting a bear. They get a bear in their house, and that happens literally in the background of the wall. So like every scene that something really dramatic is happening in the wall, in the other side of the terrarium, you see like the next stage of the bear yeah. debacle. So what I hope for is eventually that's it. Like the show is just it's called, you know, Solar Opposites, but every episode is just what's going on in the wall. That's what I yeah. really hope. I think that would be I think that it w- that would be amazing. Would be the first time they've done that yeah. with a TV show. Yeah. Because like what was it? The Clone Wars TV show that after like the first season, they uh-huh. realized that their their average watching audience was about ten years older than they were writing for. Yeah, so they just moved they just moved the uh-huh. plot to a different place. Like let's just follow different points. Yeah, and then there was a uh, Naruto. Naruto was basically writing itself into a fucking black hole. Mm-hmm. They're like, wait, most people watch the show are like thirty one. Maybe we should write like for thirty one year olds and not yep. for ten year olds. And then they just changed it to a new show, and they started over. It's like, remember the last 400 episodes we made? Yeah, we're just going to retcon that out. Yeah. Parker, you were saying that uh, Dota was a good show, right? Uh, Dota Dragon's Blood? Dota. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It, it. it sucked me in pretty fast as, as um, once I got past that initial in- introduction. Yeah, I was trying to watch it. I think I made it uh, one episode, and I was like, is this worth it? Like, I, I, I wasn't sure what was going on. <laughs> That's like I said, it's like Neuromancer. It just drops you in hard uh-huh. and you just have to kind of hold on by your fingernails. And I like I said in, like I said last podcast, that's the kind of show I like. I like a show that like ex- explains fucking nothing. Just just be in it, deal with it. No exposition, uh-huh. just go. Um but yeah, you got to be okay with that to watch that show for sure. Um maybe did you play Dota at all like the video game? Nope. I think maybe people who watch I think maybe people who have played the video game they assume a certain amount of people are already familiar with the lore from the game, but mm-hmm. I, I can tell you this. I will say this. By episode, like, three, I was comfortable. Like, I could tell who was who and what was what, and mm-hmm. um, by episode, the only thing that was confusing is by, like, epi- by episode, like, six, I knew who the gods were, because they talk about the gods a lot, because the gods are characters in the show. Like, they are okay. living things. And so... Um, at first, I was really confused because I was like, "Wait a minute! Is the god is a goddess is, who's one of the characters of the show?" I was like, "Is this goddess? Is she uh, is she an actual person? Is she, or she is she uh, this goddess of the moon? Or is she actually just the moon, just like a personification of the moon?" Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, there's actually two gods, and they just have similar names because they're you find out later that there's there's a reason why they have similar names and why they why one's a personification and one's an actual goddess." Um, but it's but it took me a second. Like it was, it was a while. But I was like, because they just assume you know all that. They just drop mm-hmm. you and they just use their names. They just talk about them like you should know it. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been watching Invincible, and I've been pretty excited about maybe finding another animated show like that, like a an adult style show. Uh-huh. And I haven't found one yet. Like I, someone recommended, uh, what was it, Full Metal Alchemist? And I was kind of watching that for a minute. I don't know. That one just kind of. I don't know if Full Metal Alchemist is the right one. Well, no. first off, there's two. There's Brotherhood and Brotherhood. the one. The Brotherhood is definitely the one you should watch. That's what I read up, one. and that's what it said. Yeah. 
the it's kind of like Naruto with with that. It's the there's the regular one was more for kids, and then the later one was more for adults. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't think I've I found said it you yet. should watch Attack on Titan. Have you? Have you I haven't watched Attack that yet. Titan? You like that one? It's way more of an anime than obviously Invincible is, and honestly, even more so than uh, what's it called? Uh, one Punch Man is really because mm-hmm. One Punch Man is more of a cartoon, I would say, even though it is an anime. Mm-hmm. It's definitely written as more of a very fast-paced, like intense thing. Animes are usually a lot more drawn out. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, go ahead. I was. I guess our, the next time I was going to ask you is if you had watched Attack on Titan yet. Parker, did you watch Invincible? You said you were going to. Yes, I didn't. I didn't find time to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I did find time to watch all of Invincible. And I actually have to say that show was weird for me because, man, I was after episode one, the end of episode one. No spoilers. It sucked me in really hard. I thought yeah. about the end of episode one for uh for a whole day because I got to watch mm-hmm. the first episode and then. And then I had to go do something else, and so that was a horrible way to do it. By the way, if yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as that thing happened at the end of episode one, I was like, "Why? Oh my god, I got to go somewhere else. I got to go be with my kids." And so uh, the next time I watched it, I watched like three episodes in a row, and then the last couple uh, the next time. But the point is, um, after that moment, that super high point where I was totally sucked in, I was very actually let down by the rest of the season. Um, I was waiting for another one of those moments. I expected to, the show kind of to run like a Quentin Tarantino movie where there's a, it's a lot of like simple people doing simple things, very casual, moment of high tension, and then just huge amounts of violence out of nowhere and releasing that <laughs> tension. And that, Did you not watch the most recent episode or the one before that even? Um, I think it's episode six was the one that had excessive violence in it. Um. Are you not caught up? There is excessive violence in them. Yeah, I've seen them all. Okay. There is excessive violence in them, but I was expecting to be surprised by it, uh, and I wasn't very surprised by mm-hmm. it. I guess the the point is this: like one of the things about Tarantino is oftentimes it's startling. The violence is purposely mm-hmm. startling, and it was purposely startlingly in that first episode. Right? You were very startled by the violence in that first episode, and then after that, I felt like it was the I have been able to predict where and how it's going to happen. Um, the only thing that has been uh, the only thing I, I the reason why I'm going to keep watching it I am excited about season two is season one does a really good job of setting up a lot of intrigue in more than one character episode one is like ooh there's a lot of intrigue with this one character and then every single episode every single character gets serious plot arcs that have a lot of intrigue with them and um, I like that a lot I love that they're establishing a huge pantheon of characters and all of them have valuable plot arcs. Um, I think that's really cool, uh, and I think it's also. I think that I, I think it's supposed to be. I think it's it's ironic how much Invincible gets the shit beat out of him. <laughs> I think I think <laughs> yeah. it's, I think that's on purpose. But Invincible yeah. gets the shit beat out of him constantly. Yeah. Um, I love the but, bad guys in the in Invincible because yeah. there's the uh, there's the fucking. Uh, the returning aliens from the other dimension yeah, those that just keep coming back. That's a great alien idea. Like that's mm-hmm. a great antagonist. Cause it's just like, what do you do? Like they're going to fucking keep coming back and it's just going to keep getting worse. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, the Martians was fun. Uh, the bad guy, because that's obviously coming back yeah. pretty soon. Yeah. Right? They've, they've, that's a problem. They, yeah. I was actually very, I was very interested. I was expecting a, um, 
a monster of the week kind of show, right? Monster of the mm-hmm. week, you know, X Files, a la X Files, yeah. a la Inuasha. You know, like there's one bad guy, then another bad guy, then another bad guy, then another bad guy, and the whole time there's one longer bad guy who's going to show up at the very end. He's got the real big bad guy, but it's not that at all. It's every single episode is let's establish a problem, Invincible or his friends solve it, and then there is always an extra problem at the end of the episode. Yeah. There's always an extra problem. And but sometimes even, a compelling one. Anything that even looks like a throwaway anything, like everything yeah. has already been retouched at least once, basically. Yes. So it's like it's very clear they're not just throwing away plot points. Yeah. I was uh so yeah, the the one thing about the show that disappointed me is I I wanted to feel that kind of intense uh, surprise at the incredible violence that the first episode gave me, but I wasn't surprised any other time with the violence, but I have been surprised with the character arcs and the number and the complexity of them. Um, You can't... uh, Invincible is not for anybody with long-term memory loss. You cannot forget any fucking thing that happens in that show, because it all comes back. Um, You got got to meet Battle Beast. Yeah. That's the weird thing. And here's the other bit. You... Because I'm so used to, I'm so programmed for Monster of the Week characters. Battle Beast is like a perfect example of a Monster of the Week character, right? He shows up, mm-hmm. he beats some people up, he gets beaten up at the end. But this is not. I guarantee that he's going to be a super important villain for, a, you know, season three, episode four. Like, and all of a sudden he'll just show back up and be a big deal again. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that's interesting about this series is they, the way they treat their their characters, all of them are valuable and also all of them are mortal. Um, I think it's very, it's very interesting how this show treats its characters because I'm so used to guys going to, guys going away into prison. So that's it. That's the last time we see them. You know, <laughs> it's season it's season one of Batman, so we'll see all the bad guys at least <laughs> once. Yeah, so. but it's like DC regurgitates villains because they don't have any new ideas, and they're regurgitating <laughs> villains because there's depth. <laughs> like. Like immediately, well, like like even the the Bash Brothers guys, the guy yeah. that keeps cloning himself, like we've already learned more about him than Killer Croc ever, basically. Like, yeah, but like, come on, he's actually a really good example. He shows yeah. up in the very first episode as a throwaway villain in the prologue. He's not even in the main story; yeah. he's a prologue villain. And so you go, okay, prologue villains done. You were they were just there to you know show us how this world operates in yeah. a very they you know, wanted to introduce the way. guardians and Omni Man and that, that the only reason they right. were there is to cause a problem right you're like wait. actually nope they're a central plot line and they are they are characters with their own arcs and their own motivations and they're going to interact with other subplots for the rest of this season one and you're like what <laughs> really you're like yep and be careful because every single character in the background is going to show up at some point and it's going to be important. You're like, oh, man. Sorry, Jeremy. We're probably running over you. Did you want to say anything? Um, I I love the aliens. I think it's hilarious that they just keep coming back. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely right. You're like, okay, dealt with the aliens. And then you're like, all finished. And then the fucking next episode, they're like, we're back, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, wait a second. I thought we dealt with you guys. Yeah. It's good. Um, it's good. I love that and show. And they're literally just the Tau. They're literally yep. just Tau, which is what I love about them. <laughs> like, they're exactly the Tau. They use energy weapons. They have the same dumb faces. Uh, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, but I like the, the like, power scale difference between Mark and his dad because his dad is, like, Superman, right? But he's, like, mm-hmm. has the same powers. But there's, like, anyone who's ever had, like, a kid from high school that thinks he's hot shit and he's like no he has like grown man strength like you have like early muscles like you're strong but like that guy's gonna punch you and it's gonna fucking hurt like he's been doing this for a long time 
He was throwing a so baseball that's, that's, around the earth and catching it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing about the, that, though, is the. I will not be surprised if at some point in the show there is a completely legitimate, even sci-fi reason why he's stronger. Like maybe the fact that he's half human or something makes there yeah. a difference. Like th- that's the thing about the show is uh, you take nothing, you know, take nothing. Uh, uh, nothing is sacred. At any moment, they could, you know, help you understand that there was something there was you did had no idea about. I, it's it's very compelling. It's very compelling. Uh, my favorite <laughs> characters. My favorite character is actually Adam Eve. I think Adam Eve is an awesome character because she That's actually uh, the reason why I love her character is she actually does something that is very kind of like no shit, which is she's a superhero who can rearrange things at the atomic level. So she goes, I'm going to, you know, go solve real problems like world hunger. Why am I wasting my time fighting robots from other uh, other planets when I can rearrange atoms? I could like solve serious problems with people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, superheroes say ostensibly that they, you know, I help people, I save the world. And, you know, it's like, but I don't save shit. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yes, like, yes, I will, you know, uh, I can save the planet from these aliens, but these people don't have food. So what am I really saving them from? Um, so I, I really, I think her, her motivation and like her conclusion she comes to, I'm really excited to see because that's at near the end of this season. I'm really excited to see how that picks up in other seasons. Like what happens to that goal? Because uh, you know that she's going to get burned at some point. That's how this show works. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how that goal like plays out. How does she? How does she get to realize that? Did you I, like the the demon detective? I love the demon detective yeah. when, and the show is great because there really isn't any rules or bounds. He's like, I destroyed the thing, and he's like, he just holds it up. It's all taped back together. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what? It's like, we used an AI <laughs> algorithm to recreate the missing pages. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> Like, there's no rules. It's just, like, whatever. Yeah. Whatever it takes to well, move I mean, forward. You know, Star Trek, just, you know, do something to the replicator to fix our problem. Like, that's literally how it works. I, I love that character, by the way. A lot of the stuff he does is a little transparent, but mm-hmm. um, he's a cool character. The Nick Fury-type character. The guy who runs the the covert ops organization. I can't remember his name. Um, oh, um... It's not Eugene. Um, fuck. Cecil? That's it, Cecil Stedman. Yeah, yeah, he is. I, I like. I I really like his character uh, because his you know the whole plans within plans thing. He's very much. He's like a combination of Nick Fury and Batman. Like, uh, there, there's nothing is sacred. You know, make sure there's a plan for everything. I think you mean he's a combination of Nick Fury and the Vanisher. <laughs> <laughs> he does teleport a bunch. Huh. All right, let's start talking about Crisis Protocol. What is our main goal tonight? I, I, to, I, I, never, I never asked. We're just going to keep chipping away at tactics cards until we get some actual like new stuff. Okay, shit. Okay, uh, tactics cards. Which one are we on, then? Just on the list? Are we just on? Going to do the regular yeah, ones? Acute senses? Keep, keep going down the list. Okay. Just put it on my tab. Put it on my tab. We're, we were so far behind on these, I kind of want to get them like, knocked out a bit. In that way, because there's going to be a bunch of new ones soon, because we got like 11 new boxes coming out. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready for that, Jeremy? Whatever. I've been there before. Why do you? Yeah. Why do? You, why do you? <laughs> oh, it's just because he, you don't like painting everything in big waves like that. No, I fucking took a break and played golf and like ignored this game for like mm-hmm. six months, and then all of a sudden I bought everything all at once, and it was just a giant wad. 
It was like the yeah, most. Yeah, it was like a month of oh, painting. It was so many. There was 22 models. It was a lot. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, so we're going to have Sinister, the Twins, X-Force, Sin and Viper, Nine? Uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, um, Carnage, Mysterio. I think June is going to be a bomb. Well, I think that's when the rest of Spider People are going to come out. So I guess those might. So yeah, we're probably looking at 11 models in May. And those 11 models will probably be in six boxes. Yikes. Is Cable one of them? Yeah. I, the X-Force are the ones that got delayed. We're going to get the bad guys, so the Brotherhood slash Cabal models. Those are already on the docket. Um, and then we're pretty much after that. We, we've seen Luke Cage and Iron Fist for a while now. Um, so I think they're going to be pretty soon. And I think June's going to be uh, the other Spider-Man people, the last of the Avengers. And then that's probably it. Because we'll probably get Craven, Lizard, Black Cat, Spider-Man... Uh, Mysterio Carnage that will be a wave and then we'll probably get we might get the last two defenders Luke Cage and Iron Fist at the same time is Black Cat ever part of the defenders am I misremembering that mm, not that I know of she's like a Marvel Knight though right like she's in that like genre no like Daredevil in them no, I don't think she ever, I can't think of a time when she's interacted with them, although I'm sure it's crossed over at least some point. So they just all hang out in the same city, and it, they're not yeah. technically crossovers. Well, actually, actually, Black Cat is international. Like, she she wanders into New York City and then interacts with Peter Parker. She actually yeah. spends a lot of her time going Wait, to other places. She, yeah, sure, okay. She does. She has, like, a... She, uh -huh. she really does. In all the fictions, he's like, what are you doing back in town? Because she doesn't stay in one spot because she's an international thief. That's just explaining why she's not in every comic. Yes. <laughs> but that explains your question about, like, Marvel Knights. Like, all the Marvel Knights, like the Fantastic Four, Daredevil, Spider-Man, they all live in New York City. That's that's why they're Marvel Knights. Luke Cage, Iron Fist, they're Marvel Knights. Mark Spector, the Moon Knight. Uh, little little Star Wars fun fact for you before we begin. Uh, when, in, in the famous uh, scene between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader uh, in the Bespin uh, cryo chamber... Um, he when when Vader says Obi Wan has taught you well, Luke is actually standing above him on a platform. <laughs> mm -hmm. So lit, so he has yeah. the he has the high ground. Mm -hmm. I I do not know if that was ever intentional, but happy mistake. I liked that a lot yeah. when, I, when I saw that. You've seen the meme where the it's like it's over. I have the high ground. He's like so Luke says down to Vader. He's like it's over. He's like don't you say it. He's like I have the high ground. He's like you little shit. And he throws the lightsaber <laughs> at him. <laughs> That scene is so, uh, it sticks out so hard because of how awkward that line is. It's such a weird thing to say out loud. Which line? It's I over, Anakin. I have the high ground. It's so, yeah. it's such a weird, you estimate. It was like my... such a, such a cop out. It's like, how does, how is it over? Well, <laughs> what's an advantage you can have in a fight? The high ground. And he writes the high ground on <laughs> yeah. the paper. You're like. Ugh. Like someone like actually has like put thought into like yeah. actual battles, you, just like leans forward and groans in the background. He's like, "You okay? Yeah, I had bad chicken salad." <laughs> just don't say no to Luke or to George. Sorry, you underestimate my power. <laughs> Is it a coincidence that that George Lucas made the main character of his space opera named Luke? You think that's a coincidence? Yeah, not even a little. Not even a little bit. <laughs> Middle name George. 
Luke George Skywalker. <laughs> Shoot dang. Excuse me. Okay. Now I have to pee. I'll be right back. Sorry. I don't want to have to pee for the entire episode. I've had two sick kids all week. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sunday night, Monday, and also Tuesday. I finally got <laughs> oh, him to school. I finally got him to school today. Mm. It's like, holy shit. <clears throat> and now I've got a little bit of a cough. I'm like, okay, that's great. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. We were actually at the bus stop. One of my kids was sick. The other one was doing fine. I get to the bus stop. The other kid, the bus starts to pull up to get him on the bus. And he just throws up right in front. Oh. I'm like, motherfucker. I just wave the bus on. I'm like, just go. Yeah. <laughs> we're going back home. <laughs> it's horrible. I, uh, yeah. Uh, that's actually one of the only, I would never wish for this again this year ever ever in any way <clears throat> however the one of the perks i don't want to say a benefit because that puts it into a realm of i would rather have it over something yeah. else. but one of the perks has been that i have not had the wheel of sickness run through my house since you know because that's yeah. what i had to last year we had a wheel of sickness every single person was sick in our house at all times from october to march <laughs> <laughs> there was one person in our house that was sick yeah. or something. Oh, it was awful. But this year, this year, uh, Regina got a sniffle for like two days, and then that's it. Yeah. And it, and I know why. It's because her preschool it gives a shit about spreading of viruses. So they're not letting kids share fucking eye drops or chapstick or whatever the fuck they let kids do. Yeah. Um, I mean, little kids, they're the worst at it, right? You turn your back and... and uh, they, and they, they shove the same like gold block down. Their yeah, throat. yeah. They, like, they oh, immediately God. immediately start sucking on the same like spaghetti and get closer and closer and closer. <laughs> and they realize they both made a mistake and somehow regurgitate it out. And one kid eats the rest. Like that's how yeah. awful it is. No, so, the problem isn't that they're both chewing on the same thing. It's that they chew on the same thing in turn every yeah. day for months. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's this? This is the plastic carrot I've been chewing on for a week. Yeah, they're, and they're, and he's been chewing on for a week, and he's right. been chewing on for a week. Like, right, oh, they'll, they'll totally eat ABC gum, right? Like, it, uh, yeah. it, totally. So they'll, and, and so basically, the difference is this year, even though their Regina is going to school, like I know for a fact that the the focus worth daycare, which is a great daycare, I, I love their daycare. They they are p- being extra vigilant all the time constantly you know making sure it's now become a part of their routine right like they are they're focused on it in a way that they weren't before and i mean we weren't before and this is actually one of the things i hope happens as a result of of this whole nonsense is every like every organization that should have given a shit about communicable diseases um it's just a part of the ethos right it just it's not even going to be something like even if coronavirus is no longer the thing on our backs all the time People will now. I'm not saying the kids necessarily because they'll always be idiots, but the people that are running it might take a second look at the thing they were about to let the kid do and realize, you know what, that's probably a dumb idea. I didn't do that during coronavirus because it spread diseases. I probably shouldn't do it now. Um, so, are you telling me I'll see. never see another doorknob licking contest? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, basically it's what like they this do. Is the f- I feel like this is the first disease that's been on the outbreak. Like, you know, Ebola no. was a thing too. And there was like probably two months where everybody was like, oh man, better watch out for Ebola. And then like, you know, 
they're back to licking them door handles in random parking lots. Uh, I think there will definitely be a time frame for that. But my kids, hopefully, I'm hoping that they are 18 and out of my goddamn house by the time <laughs> that time frame is up. There is, there is, this is cool. I will say this. You, it's really anybody who who makes the case that Ebola or SARS or or avian or any of those other uh, diseases that have come around are anything like the cultural imprint that coronavirus is going to put on people is obviously false, right? Um, there's there's no way to con- now it's the it's an imprint, right? Just like the surface of the moon, it'll be there for a little while, but eventually it's going to fade away. It just takes time. Eventually, it will erode. So I can guarantee you. You know, when by the time I die, no one's going to give a shit about viruses, you know, crossing my fingers and my toes because the coronavirus was the one that everybody cared about. And that was the once in a generation one like that. But I don't know. I think like two years from now, nobody will give a shit. <laughs> I don't I don't think it I don't think it happens that fast I, because when you I think it, you have way too much faith in people. No, I think it's I think it's because people remember traumatic events too hard. Like, I think there are people who remember viscerally polio. Right. And for those people who remember that in their in their living rooms and in their schools, I think the coronavirus rang really hard for them. My dad was one of those people. He talked immediately when all this stuff started happening. He's like, "This hap- this is a very similar thing happened with polio. We had to adjust everything we did for polio, and and people just kind of forgot about it. He's just like, over time, because polio became such a non-issue, we eventually just kind of forgot all those habits. And he said, now everyone will get a new set of habits from this and then slowly over time, those will fade too. Um, that's his, that's his idea. But I, I tend I to, I tend so to agree with that. Little ab- I know so little about polio. Like you could right. tell me basically anything about polio and I would just be forced to agree with you. Yeah. Like I, I don't even know. It was polio contractable from people. Yeah. Like, could you get it from somebody? I yeah. thought it was like cancer, where it's just like it just happens. No, sometimes. no, no, no. It was it, oh, okay. The polio was a communicable disease. Um, hmm. And I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it was it, it killed people and crippled other people. Is uh, it transmitted through contaminated water uh, and food or contact? Like you could touch somebody with polio and get it. Um, hmm. And my dad told me about he was um, when he was going to high school. People like you know how like. Kid, uh, like right now, we have kids in quarantine constantly for COVID nineteen. He's like, people were constantly in quarantine for polio in his high school. Like there wasn't a person in his. Like there was never a week that went by that there was somebody he knew in his small rural high school in Louisiana who was being quarantined for polio exposure. And not everybody got the disease, but they were exposed right, to it. Yeah. So it's like you, you were in a room with Jim, so you got to yeah. spend a week in like private study. Right. So he's like, it happened. He's like, it was constant. He's like, and, we, and yeah. people and people forget about that because, you know, polio was, you know, it was vaccinated out of the population. It group, you know, herd immunity has not completely eliminated it, but it's, there's fewer than a thousand cases per year in the United States. Um, that's insanely small. So it, it just slowly faded out of the zeitgeist. And by the time, you know, our generation came along, we had no concept of it whatsoever. Um, but. And, he, and he, that, that's his prediction for coronavirus is that anybody who's currently living through it is going to have an indelible cultural imprint for a while. And then people will, you know, will, will adjust back to uh, cre- creating a new, you know, non looking over our shoulder at uh, virulent diseases. However, in the meantime, folks like Jeremy and I, who have little germ catchers walking around catching germs all the time, will benefit from people giving a shit about communicable diseases for a little bit. 
I just don't think it's going to be that long. I, I, I don't think it'll be long at all. I think there are going to be some people that are, like, forever changed by the situation, but I think those people are pretty rare. Oh, I don't think forever is even part of the conversation. I think right. it's going to be, like, organizations that that are supposed to guarantee safety, like hospitals and schools, those are the organizations that are going to have these kind of things longer than any others. But eventually they'll also fade away. Because it's more difficult. It's harder to watch kids, you know, all the time and make sure they don't spit on each other. It's hard to it do al- that. It also so, costs a ton okay. of money. It's a ton yep. of money. It's so many right. extra people. It's so many extra materials. Like, the second they can ditch it, I mean, people will. But right. I, I I, think it's it's it'll be a while. It'll be a very long while. <clears throat> I think it's terrible that my kids know what it is and, like, have to wear masks to school. Like, I never had to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy that my kids will have a memory of doing that. It's just so weird. So I think it's weird. be like a, I think it's to be like a gas station bathroom. They're gonna intend to have someone clean it every three hours, and then <laughs> they'll turn it to six hours, and then twelve hours, and then once a week, and then why would I clean the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> it's a toilet. People go to the toilet in there. Yeah, it's already dirty. It's just gonna get dirty again. Like that's it's just gonna become that in like a year. It's I I wonder about uh, think about the kids. I wonder about that sometimes. I wore I wore leg braces every single day to school for first, second, and third grade dealing with my bone disease. Uh-huh. And obviously, it wasn't a shared experience because I was the only one who had to do it. And that's different than you know every single person wearing masks is a different uh-huh. kind of experience. Sure. But but I as a kid I remember not really giving a, a, a shit. <laughs> like when I tell I, adults are more like affected about my by my story than I think I ever was as uh-huh. a child. When I tell yeah. somebody like I had to wear giant pieces of metal when I woke up in the morning, I put pieces of metal on my legs that separated yeah. my hips apart. And I took every single step of the entire day with those braces on. And the only time I took them off was when I got back into bed or I had to go to the bathroom because it was difficult in some toilets to, to do that. If it, if I could possibly do take a crap without taking them off, I did because of how not, you know, ridiculously difficult it was to take them off. So, but like that's, you know, but when I tell that story, adults go like, oh man, how harrowing. But I was when I was a kid, I was like, that was just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's like, just more shit. Yeah. Like, if you're a kid, you're like, yeah. every, every week as a kid, they're just new shit that you learn you're going to have to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Forever. And it's just like, damn it, I have to brush my teeth now? Oh, God damn damn it, it. I have to wipe my own ass now? It's just like, they just keep piling it on. What are the fuck are these things on my shoes? This isn't Velcro at all. You have to staple these wooden stakes to your legs and walk around like Vampire Hunter. And you're (laughs) like, all right, I guess this is what we're doing now. Like, like kids don't know. They have no frame of reference. They have no what is normal. They're constantly being evolved. That's true. My only understanding is you had the leg braces... And now you can run really far and a lot faster than anyone else. That's my full understanding. <laughs> he can, and I know he can also, it must be true. <laughs> he can also play ping pong real good. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think those are related. With my, ping, with my I thought we were talking about Forrest Gump. Oh, we are, but that one yeah, okay. doesn't mean the other. He was obviously very good at ping pong. I don't know. Can that. you grow a full homeless man beard while running, though? <laughs> oh my god! A wizard Parker, beard. I am. I am a little bit upset with you, though. Mm-hmm. You never told me you had bonitis. And <laughs> bonitis. I could have caught that shit. I could have caught that shit from you, and you never told me. It's quite quite not polio. It's quite not polio. No, it's bonitis. It's going to make you crinkle up into a little pile. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and you're going to whisper out as you're dying, my only regret was bonitis. 
<laughs> Do you not remember Futurama? Yeah, I remember Bonitis. I just, okay. I'm just, I'm just lo- I'm laughing at my only regret is Bonitis. I was so I was so busy taking over everything 80s style, I forgot to get my Bonitis cured. <laughs> what? <laughs> like you froze yourself? So until the cure for your fatal disease was found, you get out of cryosleep, first mm-hmm. thing you do, forget you have the deadly disease. <laughs> like, what? <sighs> it's really good stuff. All right, let's get started. That was, that was long enough of a pre-ramble. <clears throat> They're going to have to listen to the after credits for this one. Oh, no. So meta. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So speaking of meta, did I did I send you that video? I think I did. Uh, yeah, The video of su- Supernatural episode? Yeah. That's so good. Oh, Jeremy. Uh, not Jeremy, uh, sorry, sorry. Brandon. Brandon. Uh, Holy yes, shit. I'm Brandon. The, the drive through window. I was I was pissing my pants. That was so funny. You sent me the the, the bank drive through window. Remember. I'd like to make a deposit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here, let me uh I'll I'll post the meme Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to say I'm not going to say a thing. Jeremy, take a look at this meme. Oh, I think I just sent it to you. I'm going to have to copy it again. Hold on. There we go. <laughs> this is a good one. Save, you stupid thing. All right. Here it comes. And then I'll describe it after you read it. I just don't want to spoil it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. What, what What the hell is that? I don't understand what that means. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll we'll reenact it. Uh, Parker, you be you be the guy in the car. <laughs> okay. So I I pull up to the bank drive-through window. I like to make a deposit. And then as the bank teller go, hey buddy, I remember you. Frantically pouring marinara sauce directly into the vacuum tube. <laughs> God damn it, it's him again. <laughs> okay. So the reason why you got me really good, you got me really good, is you have a tendency to send me kind of like. Uh, like deranged like uh, scenarios. Usually, deranged. They're usually like punny, right? They're usually yeah. like kind of punny. Uh, is the point? You're, they're they're kind of like womp womp is the way it works. So the, the first line when I read it, pulling up to a drive-through window, I'd like it to make a deposit. So I'm expecting there to be like an Italian. Yeah, it's pun. gonna be like a grammar or like an Italian yeah, yeah. language barrier. Yeah, joke yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was gonna be something really like kitschy like that. And then when the bank teller immediately breaks the joke, I'm like, hey. Hey! It's like immediately the joke stops, and it's actually just somebody who's vandalizing the vacuum. I can just imagine a guy pulling up in like a go kart dressed yeah. as Luigi, yeah. and he just got like a gas can full of marinara sauce, and he just starts dumping it into the vacuum tubes. That's like, God damn it! They're gonna make me clean this up again. Because also, it's a bank teller. Like, there's they can't possibly get outside yeah, well, to stop you. Do? Yeah, they're not. Gonna Watching this happen. They're not going to run all the way around the building, so they're just right next to you, unable to stop you. Jeremy, could you? Could, I defy you to find a more perfect crime. Okay, I, I do see there's, the humor in it now. I there's see no you. way they can catch you. Are they just watching you through bulletproof oh. glass? And you're just like. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was in my, I was in my kitchen when I read it, and as soon as I, I was surrounded by my family, it was dinner time, and as soon as I read it, 
I immediately start. I smiled like at first because like, okay, this is going to be a funny like joke about Italian and language then you, or something. And then you pictured it in your head. And then immediately, <laughs> then way more when, funny. when the joke stopped and it was just about somebody vandalizing the bank, I just, I was just, I, I cried. I was laughing so hard. I showed Sarah. I was like, Sarah. Read this as if you're expecting uh, just a regular meme. And she goes, okay. And she reads it. And she gets, and I, you could see as soon as she got to the part, like, hey! <laughs> she just broke too. And we were just like, that is so wonderful. That is so, you expected something. That it was such a great setup to, to everything you yeah. see on the internet. And then all of a sudden, instantly changed to something else. Oh, so good. Did you like the Exodia <sighs> picture? Yeah, the Exodia one was good, right? That was that was good. Um, I asked for I asked for the strongest copy they had. He gave me five lattes with the Exodia art on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, I didn't expect it. I expect the lattes to be this strong, right? So like that's the kind of joke you expect on the internet, right? Like yeah. you expect that kind of joke. I expected a a Mario Kart joke or something, and then oh yeah. man, when it's just it's just somebody pouring their hair. <laughs> it's just, I just love to imagine anyone yeah. cackling in an Italian voice while pouring their hair sauce down a bank tube. It's said, just like, how did we come to this? He said, "I like it to make a deposit." <laughs> like, like that's what he thinks the bank is for. But also, <laughs> having thought of this, are we one hundred percent sure that's never happened? <laughs> In the history of the world, you're telling me that's oh, never happened. Oh, I love the word frantically also, because you know he knows he's, he's, he's not cheating. They don't want to do what he's trying. There's no way that wouldn't make the news. <laughs> I know, right? In, like, Florida, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, even today. Ah, oh, I'm just crying. I have tears. Oh. That is such a wonderful. That's one of the best things I've ever seen on the internet. And I know it gets it gets me because of how this is how we this is all we communicate with on the internet is this. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so good. Oh, by the way, the Mac Evolution lesson. I have watched that twice, and both times I get so mad about it. I get so mad. <laughs> You're like, so... there are people in the world having this exact argument. Oh, that, I know. It's it's really funny. That's why in the it's same so way good that... because if you if you know or are white trash enough. You've had this happen oh, to you yeah. when it comes up on the show. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's like, yeah, I know the guy who is exactly like oh, this. Oh, I, I love I love Charlie's face as he gives the, the argument. He's like, you look like, like a know. bitch. Slap. And then Charlie goes, <gasps> he's like, I don't want to look like a bitch. And Charlie immediately goes, <laughs> like, like he looks immediately very startled, like, oh, oh. Galileo was a bitch. He's oh like, God. oh, while you're up there, go ahead and move mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you guys oh. really don't believe in evolution anymore? He's like, yeah, I create a reasonable doubt. Like he's having, <laughs> he's like trying to make like a courtroom argument as oh to why he gosh. doesn't believe in evolution. Oh, just every, so everything about that scene makes me makes me mad because of 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 what it means. But mm-hmm. oh, it is, it's really well, it's very well done. It's a very well done, very well done. But oh man, not as not uh, as well done as the bank deposit. Parker, I don't know if you were here for the conversation. I don't know if it was on the podcast or not. We were talking about the episode of Supernatural that was like super, super meta. And I don't think you were here for that. I think this is a conversation we had at the store. Does that sound familiar at all? I know about the show Supernatural, but I have, I, uh, I don't right. even know if I've no, seen it. No, but I'm, I'm talking about a specific episode me and Jeremy spoke about no. at one point. No, I, I don't no. think you were in I, I was not part of that conversation. So, so in the, the show Supernatural, obviously there's the two brothers, and they're basically hunters from the game Hunter the Reckoning. They hunt supernatural mm-hmm. monsters, 
and they they're just humans but they you know it's a heroic story so they obviously get through a lot of ridiculous situations well one point in the show they meet a demon and the demon is like a frenemy and so they they kind of work with her on a regular basis her name is ruby and uh anyway she's still a bad guy but it's one of like the bad guy i know like i i know what she wants so i i don't trust her but i know how to not get screwed over Mm -hmm. and so in the show sam spoilers also in the pre-ramble there's gonna be spoilers as well so don't don't listen to this if you don't want spoilers Mm-hmm. Uh, although this is like 10 years old at this point. Yeah. Uh, so Sam ends up having a relationship with the demon. And in the show, the demons are like clouds of evil and then they possess human bodies. And so anyway, she possesses this girl. And so he, he ends up having a relationship with this girl. And Dean finds out who's like the more butch of the two brothers. And he's always like being ridiculous all the time. And so he's like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, you, you have no idea what you've gotten yourself into. You have to break this off. And... Uh, eventually they end up killing Ruby because she screws them over because she's a demon. That's what's supposed to happen. And then in a, like a later season, uh, they go to, uh, they get like dream world pulled into the real world. Cause in the TV show, uh, there's a book series called the supernatural book series that is about them. And the novels are about things they've done in their lives. And they're like, what the fuck? How is there a book series about us? We've never right. told anybody things we do. Mm-hmm. And so it's very meta because there's a fan, like a fan cult following of the book series. And so people know everything about them that they've never met. And they're like, this is fucking weird. But it's like some like witch or something's getting visions about them. And that's the author of the book. And so the, mm-hmm. she writes the books based on the visions. Anyway, though, in another episode, they get pulled into our reality where they are now playing or they get pulled out of reality and they have taken over the bodies of the actors that play them on the show. And so Jensen and Jared are the name of the two actors that play Dean and Sam. And so in the episode, they are playing themselves. And so are all the other people on the show are their actors are playing themselves on that episode. And so Misha who plays Castiel and Angel on the show is like this super awkward geek guy. That's like an actor. And he's like, he's always getting pranked by the Jared and Jensen guys. But anyway, they have to figure out a way to get back, but there's no like hunters or demons or anything in this world. So like, I don't know how mm-hmm. to get back. Like everything is fucked up and normal. And it's just so funny. Cause uh, in real life, Jared married the actress that played Ruby on the show. And on the show, she played a demon that he has an affair with. It's, but in real life, they're married. And they got married after oh the show. And so he, they go to his house like, dude, you're like a hipster douchebag. Like, you wear all these fucking preppy clothes because they wear, like, like flannel shirts and stuff. And so they're making uh-huh. fun of the way they dress in real life as themselves playing their characters playing themselves. And it's just wow. the whole episode is gold because there's all this shit happening. And uh, his wife comes home, the actress that plays Ruby, and immediately it's like, oh, fuck, Ruby's here. We have to kill her again. And he's like, he's like oh, and then they have to go through this whole scene where Dean doesn't like her. So they're playing that they have this rift between them in real life. <laughs> so they're acting out all these weird, like, feuds between the, char- the, the, the humans that they're playing as the characters. It's very funny. That's awesome. But yeah. Yeah, eventually they get back, and then the, he gets ridiculed for that. And so, and then you have the secondary meta where they were at like Comic Con explaining how he had to explain to his wife 
that he has to have an argument with her on the show as themselves being played by the characters on the show that they are playing. And it's just like, yeah, not only did I have to kill her on screen, like we had to have a scene where I stabbed her to death, which is already a whole can of worms you have to explain to your wife. But then also we have to have a fight about it later on, years later, as the characters again. It was it's quite enjoyable. Hmm. So, so stuff like that is the reason I enjoy Supernatural. The the day to day episodes are just kind of meh, but the every once in a while they'll get they'll hit some serious gold. 